Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, March, I don't have the date, 16th, 16th, I'm not going to redo it, uh, it's 2022, and you're listening to episode number 538, I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show is Mr. Bob Ryer. Mail bashers assemble! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joey Bertino is here. I have thoughts... After listening to last week's show. Yes. We will get to those thoughts, but not before we get to John Burkle. Hello. Time to tear it up. I'm on spring break. Yes. You got the Crocs out. You ready? It's 62 degrees here. We had a winter weather last Monday. It's 60 today. Doesn't get better than that. You're going to, you're going to hit the beach, John. No, I'm going to do my taxes and (laughs) going to catch up on some projects around the house and ride my bike. All right. Well, it does get better than that. And I'll tell you why. It's because Carolyn Coca is also here. Hello. I am sadly, sadly not on spring break yet. I've got to go through several hundred pages of midterms first. Then I'm on spring break. Woof. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. It's painful. That's rough. Grading and meetings. Worst part of the job. Otherwise, best job in the world. Yep. Man. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, the whole student thing, too, sometimes. They're so fascinating, okay? Speaking of being uh, off the chain, I am home alone for the first time in a very, very long time. Bronwyn has left the house. Not me, just the house. <laughs> Uh, she has a work conference in sunny California. Uh-huh. And uh, well, I'm not going to tell you where. because I want to give it away, but she's going to be gone for two weeks. Wow. wow. Two weeks. I am already so distraught. She's only been gone for like a day and a half. And I don't know what to do with myself, but did you, I'll uh, tell you who's... Did you rig your uh, waffle iron trap and your bowling ball? Yeah. Yo, the wet bandits yo, are out there. Yo. <laughs> you, you make jokes. You want to know what I made for breakfast this morning? I made a Belgian waffle with our waffle iron. So there you go. You filthy animal. You filthy animal. That's right. Would, would you like a husband and a teenager to keep you company? I can say sure if you want to go through the trouble of having them test to come over the border and then test to come back. Sure, I can can do that. I can make that happen. (laughs) Uh, yeah, she's gonna be gone for two weeks. I have already started cleaning the house (laughs) to keep myself busy. Uh, and uh, some other projects that I will talk about uh, during my lightning round. 
Uh, so for this show, of course, we have our lightning rounds. As I said, we also have some more thoughts on the Batman as Joey and Carolyn have both seen it. We have some news items and uh, maybe a little bit of banter to kick things off. But we got a lot of comics and quite a bit of news to get through for this show. So uh, I just want to say real quick, uh, everybody's talking about the new Pixar movie Turning Red on the old Internet. It is uh, playing now on Disney Plus. If you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend that you do. It is a joy. Uh, I had an absolute blast with it. It's adorable. And I think it's I think it's a special one of their movies. And uh, I think that it can appeal to everyone, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, jo- uh, John. Yes. You watched it too, right? I did. It was, it, it's probably one of the f- funnest Pixar movies I've seen in some time. And we all sat down and watched it for our family Friday night movie time. And everybody enjoyed it. And it's, it, there's a lot to it. And you, everybody can get a little bit out of it, I will say. Yeah. It's got a great energy to it. Mm-hmm. It makes some bold moves in the Disney Pixar department. Uh, maybe not as much as you'd like, but some of that stuff is there. And um, it was really fun to watch a Pixar movie that takes place in Toronto, because not only was Bronwyn living in Toronto at the time that that movie takes place, but we're in and out of Toronto, or at least we used to be all the time. Uh, and so like, I recognized a lot of the landmarks and a lot of the things that are featured in that movie and (laughs) kind of like when you watch something from, at least when I watch something from New York city, you know, it's, it's rotten with that stuff, but to have another city that I'm like, Oh, Hey, I've been living here long enough. Now I've been there. I've been to the needle. It was really cold and windy. We almost died. (laughs) It was great. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, charming movie and I highly recommend it if you've got the time. What on earth was that? That was me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Watching videos. Causing I trouble didn't, already. I, I was trying to open things that we'll be talking about later, and one of them autoplayed, so I apologize. Oh, I hate the autoplay. Carolyn's on the TikTok while recording the show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, we've got a lot to get through this episode. So why don't we begin with some lightning rounds? <laughs> Bob. Okay. You usually go first. Alrighty then. Oh. Couple of quickies to start off on some minis that are coming to an end. Hawkeye Kate Bishop number five by Marike Nishkamp, Enid Balam, Oren Jr., Roberto Paggi, Brittany Pierre, Rochelle Rosenberg, and Joe Caramagna. Was a fun conclusion with a nice young Avengers vibe. Uh, also has a wonderful sequence that's half one division, half Orson Welles' Lady from Shanghai. As we get near the conclusion. Ooh. So lots, lots of fun over there. On the subject of dark ladies, there's Elvira meets Vincent Price, number five, where the master of menace and the mistress of the dark discover that, well, the magic of the movies isn't just a nice phrase. It's just something extra. Best of all, David Avalon, Juan Samu, Walter Pereira, Taylor Esposito, and Elizabeth Charland promise there's more Elvira to come soon. Two new miniseries kicked off this week. We have Captain Carter number one by Jamie McKelvey, Marika Cresta, Eric Arseniega, and Clayton Cowles. And this fully brings uh, the super soldier version of Peggy Carter into the print world. 
This first issue uses the what-if story as a springboard into... It's, it's the alternality stuff where Peggy has just emerged from suspended animation. So it's, it's a little mix of the what-if plus the first Avenger movie. you got perfect characterization here and character design by Jamie McKelvey that is more than ably delivered by Marika Cresti's art. You throw in some interesting supporting characters... I'm hooked. Not that it wasn't anyway, and I love the finale. If anyone's seen the movie Notting Hill, you've seen that shot. Spider-Gwen, <laughs> Gwenverse number one by Tim Seeley, Jody Nish, Shima, uh, Federico Blee, and Fabiana Marr was also a ton of fun. And as Gwen herself puts it, not completely without multiverse shenanigans, which is really a tremendous understatement considering what happens here. Yeah. To set her own timeline on Earth-65 back to normal, Gwen has to track bits of her own essence across space and time, and at each stop, she'll be finding, you know, surprising elements of her psyche being manifested as variants, in this case, Thor-Gwen. Just a lot of fun. She, she's not alone on this quest. As Finale, the ultimate artist, has her own timey-wimey agenda going along. Uh, the Wonder Marvel one-shot celebrates Marvel heroines and both veteran and new female creators, with a lovely set of stories featuring the Black Cat, Scarlet Witch, Jessica Jones, Shauna the She-Devil, and my favorite, a Black Widow-Squirrel Girl team-up. And check out this lineup of star creators. Marika Andalfo, Jordi Belair, Claire Rowe, uh, Marguerite Savage, Jen Bartel. The rookies acquit themselves quite well also, with Charlie Jane Enders and Emma Kubert on that Squirrel Girl piece. Billy Scott's Zori Thorogood on a Jessica Jones story by Jordi Belair, for instance. This was just a steal at $5.99. Really, really quickly, I've read the first chapters of The Trial of the Amazons arc, and while I'm happy there's a Wonder Woman event, first in 15 years, I'm guessing, not, comple oh, wow. not completely thrilled with the big shocker that takes place, as to me it kind of undercuts what this series was created to do all those decades ago. Yeah, I, I know it's comics, and things might auto-correct. Um... There are some fine moments here, and some some to even cherish. But but guys, really, you know, gee whiz. Anyway, mm. that's it. <laughs> You're telling me that yeah. Zoe Thorga did a Jessica Jones story? Yes. I I I need to go. I need to go right now. <laughs> I need to go get that book. You'll enjoy the heck out of it. It's again, it, most of these books seem to end up being seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine, whatever. This is a lovely little five ninety nine with lots of stuff. We've got an intro by Gail Simone, just really lovely, lovely stuff all the way through. Nice. nice. I thought the um, the Kate Bishop mini was really cool. I thought the artwork wasn't as clean through the whole five issues as yeah, I thought it could have been. The end. Yeah, and I, I to be honest, I felt the the whole fifth issue. I was like, we should have a sixth issue. Yeah, of course, I was like, we should have an ongoing. But <laughs> yeah, I did feel like this one in particular, like the first four issues was humming along, and then it was like, all right, now let's finish everything in this fifth issue. And I think the art showed that 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 compression. I think. Mm -hmm. But that we've I got America you. Chavez and Cassie hanging yeah. around here. I'm hoping. Oh. It was awesome, and I, I'd love to see more. Um, I thought I thought that the writing was great, and again, anytime Kate shows up, I think it's totally worth checking out. 
Uh, that uh, Women of Marvel one shot sounds awesome. I got to grab that for sure. Uh, somebody else want to jump in here before we move on? I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see what Bob said about Captain Mar- uh, Captain Carter first before before <laughs> subscribing to it. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely I definitely want to read it after um, after what you said. Well, yeah, I think about the one thing they have to try to do is parse this sentence in a different sort of way. Not everyone saw what if maybe yeah. all they saw was a trailer. So they have to try to see what we've seen in some of the other variants where you've seen Peggy pop up here and there or, or what's flying around the internet that people look up or what they loved about her before. But also so are they beholden to the what if TV show? No. Right. Is this, is this a, is it no, a, no, extension it is, of that it's, character? it's half and half. It is that character. She's been given the super soldier serum in place of Steve, we're assuming because we haven't seen Steve yet or a flashback to that. But how she gets to our time is more from First Avenger, where she crashes the plane as opposed to getting sucked through a portal by Cthulhu. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Also, I was on this play reading yesterday, and this guy said, I have a statue of Kettle Who on my bookshelf. And I was like, You're fake. Like, you're fake. Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it was like, everyone say your fun fact. And this guy was like, oh, right here I have a statue of Kettle Who. And I was like, no, you don't. Get out of here. <laughs> Fake. I think What If just won an award for animation. I think it might have won a BAFTA or something like that. Cool. Yeah. Wasn't up against a whole lot, but it was, uh, I mean, the the animation for that series was was very cool. When it was in motion and everything was going on, there was some really, really cool stuff in there. That Doctor Strange episode that they had was ridiculous. And the fight choreography for, for Peggy in that first episode was so great. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, do we want to move on? Is child, is child, the Amazon's worth jumping onto Bob? Yes or no. Uh, I'm, I'm in because I, I want to see where this goes, but I am, Hesitant. Not, not particularly happy. So I, you'd have to take that as my hesitancy, as Joey says. I, it's going to be done within six issues. So you're in for whatever it is, $28 or something, $25. I think there's one double size. Um, there's some interesting stuff. It is very dense. It's lovely to see all three sister tribes of Amazons in one place. And it's some interesting stuff and they've decided to do certain things. I don't know where that decision comes from, but it, 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 it hit me in a way differently than the impact. I think they wanted it to have. I'm, I'm trying not to spoil anything. Something happens <laughs> that they're expecting an emotional response. I don't think the one I'm having is what they want. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder what it could be. <laughs> the return of lady Sith. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't That's say enough it. out of you, young man. I didn't say it. John, that means it's your turn. All righty. Uh, let's see. Um, little Devil's Reign heavy this week. So Devil's Reign number five, Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicetta, uh, Marcio Menez on colors, and Clayton Cowles on letters. Devil's Reign number five might as well be called Wilson Fisk is losing his shit. Um <laughs> He used the Purple Man's powers last issue to remember that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. The whole reason he's gone on this tirade is because he 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 remembered that he he's 
he's struggling that he doesn't know who Matt Matt is Daredevil. And so he's kind of went off his rocker and he really goes off his rocker in this issue. But the problem is Matt isn't Matt. Mike is Matt because Matt now has a twin brother and it goes horribly wrong for one of them. Um, he's let the purple man go and the purple man has decided to t- make all the residents of Manhattan homicidal maniacs and the New York heroes are not prepared for this. And with one issue to go, this, this little Marvel event is really, uh, really landing. And I'm, I'm excited to see how it ends. I also read devil's reign X-Men number two, uh, this is Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto with Clayton Cowles on letters. Uh, Emma's Frost past continues to haunt her. Uh, a lot of this book is set in the, I, I would quote unquote, 80s uh, New York uh, Marvel verse. You know, uh, Peter's in his black costume. Um, all the all the heroes are interacting pretty regularly, and Emma is working for Wilson Fisk to basically make people remember or forget things to help him become the kingpin of crime. And back in those days, a child disappeared. And in present day, Marvel, uh, she's being accused of killing a little girl. And we all know that there's more to the story. And uh, Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto, you can't go wrong with that pairing, even with Cable, Joey. Sorry, I can't. I can't help myself. Um, and then I read Daredevil's Woman Without Fear number three. Chip Zdarsky, Rafael De La Torre, uh, Federico Blee on colors, and Clayton Cowles on letters. Uh, so this is the concluding issue of Elektra versus Craven, uh, and that's really the bulk of the story. It's got great action, but the series feels like a prologue to where they're going to take Elektra next as she goes to war with their hand. And the hand's newest warlord, the Punisher. Um, Anybody who saw the new symbol on the Punisher, because apparently Marvel is tired of the old Punisher symbol being co-opted by morons in society. Whoa, wait a minute. What? I haven't heard about this. Are you serious? Yeah, the Punisher has a new chess symbol because of how the... um, People in our in our fringe society has been using the Punisher uh, symbol as kind of their, their. Wait a minute! What does so it look they, like? It's it's it it's looks the hand like symbol. a ra- like looks like a saber tooth rabbit. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. it's like imagine the Punisher skull with horns. All right, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it. It's, up. it's, it's this is this is. Dumb. It was a, no. it's the hand. It's the hand. It's the beast. The leader of the hand. Yeah. And it goes back yeah. to Frank Miller. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's completely dumb, but I understand why Marvel's trying I'm, to do it. I'm saying, like, as an alternative, I understand why they changed it. Oh. I get that. But like <laughs> this is this is the one that you landed on? In story, I'm sort sure it makes sense. Uh I did not Absolutely. read the, I did you read anybody go, read the first issue of Punisher? No, I did not. I thought I thought about it, but then stuff happened. I saw the price tag, and I figured I'd wait till Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I told you guys in the chat why why I'm not reading certain things anymore. (laughs) I got gouged. (laughs) Mm. All right, you want me to finish Um, up, Steve? 
<laughs> if Aaron was here, second, he'd say, let the man finish. Oh, John's gotten look, uh, look. co-opted. There's nothing wrong with interjecting, all right? There's no timer <laughs> no, on this thing. No, no, it just no, seems no. conversation always happen during John's lightning round. Because I like to talk to John. No, it's fine. I, I mmm. No, no, Steve does like to talk to me, Joey. He's he's a fan when I'm on the show. He doesn't go, Ugh, John's here. Yeah, we have our own private chat. chat and everything. <laughs> we did. Because of where called- I'm going to next, because thanks to Steve, I hey. went down the web rabbit hole. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> After listening to young Steve. <laughs> talk about teenage mercenary last week i'm like i like violence i like kids who beat up bullies let's go i read 39 episodes in a day <laughs> yes i completely understand steve's addiction to webtoon because it's so damn convenient you start and it's just there and it it's the the like he said, it's the story of a of a trained assassin who his parents and he are presumed dead in a plane crash. And 10 years later, he comes back home to Korea and he is basically the badass of all badasses because they tell you he's a badass every other scene whenever he gets in a fight. <laughs> it's got exposition on top of exposition but I still really enjoyed it. It's got some great character moments. It's got depth, even though it's a very action oriented story. Uh, You have characters that you think are going to be one way and they end up being pretty cool people. It's got commentary on teenage society. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then I reached out to Steve and I told him that, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm going down this rabbit hole and he's like, you got to do me a favor. You got to read Everything is Fine by Mike. Is it Mike Birchall? Yes. And my response after I read season one of that, <laughs> what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> it is the trippiest, weirdest thing I think I might have read in some time. You I'm have you. people in cat masks living in this society where they're monitored 24-7 you have weird red lights appearing in their eyes. You have cops who have mustaches on their masks. It's <laughs> so bizarre. It 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 has a couple triggering moments for me with children that was a bit rough to read. But as Steve says, when I got done, and he's like, "You don't know if any of this is real," and and yeah, it's it's. It's not, it's a quick read. I did this one in about an afternoon as well. And it's just trippy as hell. And it really does use the, the computer format uh, very like well. Like the webtoon scrolling Yeah, format. the scrolling. There's a scene where they're driving like a long road and you just keep yep. scrolling and scrolling. That's the opening scrolling. to The Shining. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really cool. It's really well done. It, it's it's all out there on webtoons for free and, and i would highly suggest if you got some time and you want to uh, want to read something that's really trippy everything is fine it, it will will suit your needs yay and i'm done Ijin Ijin is a lot of fun to follow but tell me it didn't warm your heart 
when those two bullies that you meet when he first starts oh, going yeah. to high school, that it turns around, they form like a little gaming club with the other guy who was being picked on. And suddenly they're, they're defending him. And then he has that like confessional Were they t- with them and, and basically t- like tells them who they've been for the past couple of years while they've been at school together. Yeah. And it, it, it dawns on them that they've been crappy people and they need to change. And then it escalates into a gang war with the other school where everybody's kidnapped and beaten. (laughs) It's so funny. Like that series, every time I'm like, where is this going to go? Like, what do we, this feels, it doesn't feel done, but it just, it's segmented in such a way that it feels like things resolve themselves pretty quickly in that story. And there isn't a whole lot of setup for the next thing. But then you realize that the whole time you've been reading it, the cast is growing yeah. and growing and growing. And soon, I mean, I, I can't, I can't remember so many of the characters names, um, but uh, there's just, there's the cast of characters in that book is wild. Uh, lots and lots of fun and everything is fine is hands down one of my favorite things that I've read in however long. Like it is just the not knowing that what you're reading, whether it's real or not, adds a whole other level Mm -hmm. to that book. And there are so, I have so many questions about the second season and what we're going to see and what the setup is going to be. Yeah. Uh, And I'll, I'll just remind everyone again, that we have that thirsty on tune episode from last week that we dropped uh, that is dedicated entirely to everything is fine. It is spoiler central. So if you're going to listen to it, you should probably read the series first. Like John said, it won't take you too long. Um, But yeah, it reminds me of lost It, it, it constantly questioning things. And it is just so, unnerving and weird like those long pauses when they're looking at each other and those emotionless masks that you have to kind of like insert your own emotions into key moments in the story because you can't read anyone's face oh god it's so it's so weird i love it so much you you have to tell me you laughed your ass off when officer tom showed up with that silly mustache oh of course (laughs) Of course, but like my brain is spinning because I'm like certain characters have tattoos yeah. or do all of them have tattoos and we just haven't seen the other ones yet. Like the stuff underneath the masks, is that brain matter or is it just stuffing? Because every time we see the masks damaged, it's in like a low lighting area. So maybe the light effect, I just, it's, I have a whole whiteboard with all kinds of things drawn on it. Uh, It's. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to pick apart and theorize about what the hell's going on. Uh, and yeah, it's it's so it's so good. I, I recommend it to everyone. Um, I appreciate that you went to go and check those things out, John. That's very cool. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed yeah, it. That you took me at my word. And then what's the other one? Let's play. Oh yeah, I don't know if you'll like Let's Play. Okay. Like I. I read 38 to 155 within those <laughs> two so weeks daunting. that I was. Yeah. But like, I, like I said last time, that story goes from being about like gamer culture and stuff like that to becoming an office romance oh. story. But if you like the, if you like the character building and kind of like the intricate web of relationships, that's in something like teenage mercenary, 
Let's Play is doing that on a whole other level. Just everybody has great relationships with every character in that story is important and every character grows and becomes someone else. They hook up with someone else. You ship one couple and then you realize partway through the story that you don't anymore. And you want these other people to get together and it becomes like a what if situation. Um, It's expertly paced. All the characters are really endearing and it's, it's funny as hell. Like at one point you actually go inside of Sam's game and there are several episodes where you're in an RPG mm-hmm. and it is a riot because all the characters are people from Sam's life. So those characters that you already know and love are now video game characters and pets are now like the creatures in the world. So like the dog is now a dragon <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's a very character driven thing. I think give it a shot, but give it an give it an honest amount of episodes to know whether you're going to like it or not. Um, but I think I think Teenage Mercenary and everything is fine. Everything is fine was more of an experiment to see if I could get you to read it. Um, I, Teenage Mercenary, I think, was a good match for you. Yeah, I enjoyed that so, the most. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, Ijin is the, the silent stare is so much fun. <laughs> It's a great series. You've read more of that than I have. I have a couple. I have like four episodes uh, yeah. left to read. It comes out every Wednesday. So I think I'm going to stockpile here for a while. Yeah. I feel like I ended one arc and the the next arc's like building up. So maybe I'll, I'll get to it by summer. That should give me. Yep. A, yep. Webtoon is cool, though. Like you said, having having everything there and being able to binge read stuff if something really grabs you mm-hmm. and you could just keep going because there's already so much of it because that app has been around for so many years. It's like this this awesome untapped resource. Uh, and for people that are maybe looking to save a little bit on, I mean, there are still ways to give back to the creators and yeah. stuff. But um, it's a great way to get your comic book fix and especially to get your anime fix. Cause I don't have time for anime really anymore. Mm-hmm. And webtoon, the vibe of a lot of their, their yeah. content has that feel to it. And so I'm getting it that way. Uh, and it's just been, it's just been great to, to get into that stuff. Yeah. I, do, I feel like teenage mercenaries, probably a translated book. Yeah, yeah. So I think that their webtoons is probably mining a lot of of content from other countries and in, in, for their catalog. But that works. Yeah, that, for that's sure. good. I mean, I, I, that that that's something that uh, a lot of people gravitate towards. So it's good. Yeah, I need uh, I need Google Pronounce to uh, to read that <laughs> book for sure. All right, man. Um, does anybody else have any questions or comments for John? Mm-mm. nope all right uh joey you didn't want to uh oh joe uh, oh you you have x-men okay never mind no, i refuse to talk about cable <laughs> <laughs> he won't engage anymore won't engage cable ever <laughs> i'm a huge emma right. frost fan though and i didn't know phil noto was on that book so i, I might check it out De- like the it. devil's reign stuff is just starting on marvel unlimited so oh, i'm cool. starting to starting to catch up there yeah, you'll you'll Sweet. love the X Men Devil's Reign. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. all Emma all the time, with a Big. little Electra on the side. Big Emma fan. Yep. Yep. Sweet. Carolyn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, okay. I thought you'd escaped. <laughs> I, you know, I just had a weird feeling that since so far you didn't seem to be going in order of what you <laughs> planned, that maybe I would be up. Okay, ready? Here I come. <laughs> oh, God. Won't stop. Won't stop. I forgot about that. Aw. Well, I'm back. All right. <laughs> so. Okay, so I am not talking about any comics, so buckle up. Um, the first, I'm basically talking about TV shows and academic books, but they're all relevant, I promise. So the first TV show I want to talk about is Babylon 5. Yeah, that's right, Babylon 5 from the 1990s, which I didn't watch in the 1990s. <laughs> there, there are Babylon 5 comics too, and they're canon if you care about that kind of thing. The show was written almost entirely by JMS. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, major comic book writer. Uh, Harlan Ellison is listed as a consultant in the credits of every show. Um, so at the time, I didn't watch it because I was watching multiple Star Treks. And Babylon 5, to me, looked like it was a ripoff of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. What I didn't know <laughs> was that JMS had shopped this idea around various networks, including Paramount, um, for a few years before Deep Space Nine. Uh, so take that information for what you will. Um, so, and also, even though they have commonalities, they are different. So basically it's a five-year story that was written as a five-year story and it starts out really slow, but then it really ramps up. A ton of stuff happens, a ton of twists and turns, but basically it could have been written a hundred years ago or 50 years ago or last week because it's about war and peace and imperialism and colonialism and faith and atheism and vengeance, which I think we're going to talk about later, vengeance and forgiveness and opportunism and altruism and warning signs of slowly creeping fascism and like what we should do individually and collectively to resist it and stop it, even when it seems hopeless. Uh, and it, especially when it seems hopeless because it involves not just governments repressing people that they're like othering and demonizing, but also media outlets that purposely lie to you and corporations that profit off fear of difference and fear of others and hate and violence. Ugh. And it's a space opera <laughs> about, <laughs> about a core group of people from multiple worlds and they work together and they come to be friends and you're going to come to care about them and root for them. Um, they're working together for peace. They try to do the right thing, but they don't always because they're people. So it's a total ride. And I recommend it. If you don't have time to do the whole thing, there are articles out there you could find easily that'll tell you what the key episodes are. And there are some clunkers in there. <laughs> so, you know, get ready for that. But um Part of if you do do it and do the whole thing is you'll appreciate a lot of little things that seem like nothing, but then later they you realize they were all important and they all fit together and you get to live with the characters more. So Babylon 5. Yeah, I'm a little late, but I made it. <laughs> I'm glad I did. <laughs> all right. Um, Superman and Lois season two. I think I'm glad you guys noted it in your year end um, season one. And I think that season one was stronger than this one is, but this season is good too. And there's an interesting mystery this season. And is anybody watching this right now? No, not yet. Not, wait not at the moment. No. Okay. Do you, have you seen, do you know like who the main villain is? In season two? No. Who we got? Who we got? Can we spoil it or not? Well, I can. Well, it's out there. Go for it. Okay, so three. If you want to leap ahead, go ahead for fifteen seconds. Three, two, one. It's Bizarro, Ooh. and 
So, and I, and the way that they're doing it is cool, but he maybe isn't really the main villain, of course, because, you know, he's misunderstood. It's probably really this cult leader lady that sucked in Lois's sister, and she seems to be like doing something with Bizarro's world. Anyway, it, it's interesting. And there's family drama for Lana Lang, who continues to be a well written character, too. There's kid drama for the boys. You know, Clark is great. Superman's great. Lois is great. It's great. I love it. Um, okay. So, Naomi. Is anybody watching Naomi besides me? I haven't seen it yet. No, no, not yet. Okay. So they're up to, like Superman and Lois, it's up to seven episodes now. The first ep- the first episode really was great. But honestly, it's been kind of slow since then. There's also, as you know, not a lot of source material to go with, right? Because how many, how many seven, issues were there? Yeah, issues. yeah. Right. Before the one, the new one that Joey's going to mention, there just isn't that much out there. So, okay. Anyway, so it's a little slow. It's not bad. It's just a little slow. And having said that, the young woman who plays Naomi really is excellent. And so is her best friend and the aliens around her who are finally starting to tell her some truth, I think, and uh, training her. Um, But we can talk more about that later when we talk about the comic. But I would say give it a chance. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, probably still my favorite because <laughs> it's the most diverse, queerest superhero live action thing out there by <laughs> by far, by far, by far, by far. Um, it's it's funny and it has heart and it's nuts. It's totally Silver Age come to life. Okay, so that's my little TV segment. Now I'm going to talk very briefly about three academic books, um, which I've just read lately. They've all come out like in the last year, but I've just read them lately because I'm uh, kind of behind on stuff and uh, I need to catch up. So um, the first one is called Love, Sex, Gender, and Superheroes. It's by Jeffrey Brown, who's written a bunch of excellent academic books about comics. His first one was about Milestone Comics. He's written one called Dangerous Curves about women in action movies. Um, but anyway, he's got a bunch of books. This one's great too. So the chapters are about, uh, phallic masculinity in comics, nice. uh, femme fatales, the homosociality of the Batcave, marriage, yes. the sexuality of robots, uh, queer relationships, uh, sexual assault and cosplay and merchandising. Total recommend on that one. And he writes, I mean, he is an academic, but he is one of the more approachable ones, I would say. So don't worry too much about academic jargon with him. Okay, the second one is called Mixed Race Superheroes. This is an edited book. So chapters by all different people, edited by Sika Dagbovi Mullins and Eric Berlatsky, brother of Noah Berlatsky. Um, so this one has chapter three chapters about Miles Morales <laughs> by three different people. There's one about Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, one about The Flash, mostly TV Flash, um, Hulk and Venom. That's one chapter, Hulk and Venom. There's a chapter on Steven Universe, Monstrous, Superman, Carrie and Carrie in Legion, and um, the newer Fate, Dr. Fate, uh, Khalid. So that one's good too. It's more uneven because edited books usually are. And that one's a little more jargony than the first one I mentioned. Okay, then this third one is called Super Sex, Sexuality, Fantasy, and the Superhero. Also an edited book, edited by Anna Pippard. Um, And this one has chapters about Miss Fury, classic old Miss Fury, Bob, um, Superman. There are three on X-Men. One is on Storm, one's on Professor X and Magneto, and one is on Dazzler. And... One is on Hulkling and Wiccan in America. One's on the women in the three Thor movies. One's on the old Lois and Clark TV show. There's one on Supergirl. There's two about superhero porn. And there's one on gender bending cosplay. 
That's so a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, I get yep, that. Yep. Wide yeah. wide birth there. <laughs> Some of them talk about wide births. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one to you. And with that, I sign off. <laughs> Mixed Race Superheroes has been on my nightstand for a while. I think was that Rutgers Press. One of them was Rutgers Press, and I made sure I bought that one. Too. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that one's on my list. I got sucked into all the Marvels, and that that one was like five hundred pages. So I've been reading that one. I know Aaron has been reading that one too. So I want to make sure I get to talk to him about it. But well, you, I, on your recommendation, I got the book and I start all the Marvels, and I started reading it. And then I was going. Um, I had to do a big drive, so I downloaded the book which mm. is like 11 hours. And I know this sounds crazy, but I totally recommend the audiobook. Because, well, Aaron's been doing the audiobook. Well, he might have been a little nudged in that direction by me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because uh, it feels like you're listening to us talking. That, like, that You know, it's it's like here's uh, the whoever's doing the narration is just like enthusiastic and he's just chucking all the names and dates and issue numbers and crazy plots. And it, it really is fun to listen to. So I recommend the audiobook 100 cool. percent. Yeah, I, I definitely want to do the mixed race uh, superhero book, though, uh, for lots of reasons. Yes, I would say. Like is there a highlight movie? essay? Is there a highlight essay in that one? Hmm. Are these all I, available uh, audio? Uh, no. Not I mean, the, the academic ones are. Like, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, it's not going to hurt my feelings if you don't buy the academic books. <laughs> I think you could get them. You could get them interlibrary loan, you know, like yeah. your public library. You could just ask them to get it. Yeah, I would just, is there a standout one? I think Tessa, the one about Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie. Okay. is a good one. Um, I had the Steven Universe, uh, Monstrous, I would say. That was a good one. And oh. I would say the one about Khalid. Um, but, you know, it's it, it'll hit differently depending on what you're looking for. Sure. Anybody else want to jump in? Oh, yeah. I just, that I one on five is awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my childhood coming back to me. I was like, not my childhood, but I, I, I don't – you can skip the first season, skip the first season. Um, I watched maybe a third of the first season. Yeah. The first season is slow and then they lose the main actor. Yeah. And that's where, that's where Sherid, John Sheridan comes in. Yes. And then oh. that's the second season and where is it really picked up. And then the fifth season's a little rough because yep. you had two of the main characters leave the show and they had to rewrite some of the plot. Yep. If they, if they had just done seasons two through four, it's it's almost a perfect sci-fi show. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's talking about redoing it. Yes, and that is partly what spurred me to do it. Like supposedly it's on at the CW. Like yeah. it's happening. Oh well, uh, all the seasons are on HBO Max right now. Yes. I rewatched oh. them this summer, so that's where when I saw you had it, I was like, yes, Caroline, Caroline, and I are in sync again. That <laughs> on five. It's the best. It I, I know Deep Space Nine and all of that the comparisons. It's a completely different show, and it. Well, really I, I know is, that now. Yeah. It's I know, yeah. and it's one. It's one. It's like each season is a novel in a mm-hmm. in a five novel series, and it's really well done. Mm. Yeah, I mean there it's it's there are clunkier moments, you know. Oh, but yeah. I think But I think overall, it, it's. It's just great. It's just great. I, I, I mean, I, I yeah. totally cried at the end. I was so invested oh, yeah. in everybody. Yeah. 
And I think if they didn't people... have to do twenty-two, if they didn't have to do twenty-two episodes a season, I think mm-hmm. it would have been better. I agree. Yeah, but there are people like that. You know, in the in the beginning, you're like, I'm pretty sure I hate this guy, and then you're like, mm-hmm. No, I think I feel sorry for him. No, actually, he's really cool. Oh, that guy's an asshole. You know, but it's like yep. the same person, <laughs> and there are just all these twists and turns um, that are happening, and there's all this, of course, super. Yeah. Uh, everyday political stuff happening in the background. Yeah. I know. It's really, it's a timely show. Always. Yeah. 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 But yeah, seasons two, three, and four for sure. Mm-hmm. What did, can I ask you about the movies? Should I bother? The, yeah. Some of the movies are really good. Um, Cause they kind of fit in. Like there's one that's about the Mimbari war that fills in some backstory about, um, Oh God, I can't Sinclair. Is that in the beginning? Yeah, in the beginning. Okay. Um, the uh, there, I would the the movies that are set during the original series are worth it. When they tried to do Crusade, and then they tried to do a Rangers spinoff show, neither of those really landed. Okay. Um, in my opinion, Crusade's worth watching if you're looking for something. But it, it it if you just I would just stick to the core series. Okay. You you're not going to go wrong there. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, totally. But especially, I just, I just want to give a particular shout out to a couple episodes because you'll know what I'm talking about. The the two parter called the end of war, where like uh-huh. everything of the first three and a half years comes together in yep. an hour, like eat all these little <laughs> tiny things that you didn't think mattered, and he just oh, kind of yeah. shoves it all into a package with a bow. And also the one where, um, uh. Why now can I not re- where uh, the fall of Centauri Prime? I think it's called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Londo, yeah, yeah. Londo. Yeah. So it's not, like that's like yeah. the real, you know, tragic apex of his whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So and they said they set that up in in season one. I know they said every. I mean, that's the problem of skipping season one. That all this stuff. There's all these seeds for all these things. I so, love when they hijack Babylon three and take it back. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. That's just it's such. Because they always talk about how Babylon 3 just disappeared. And then, mm-hmm. boom, oh, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. Sorry, spoilers, gentlemen. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably go on about this for another hour. So maybe we should. <laughs> we <not>. could. <laughs> we'll do a Patreon someday. Yeah, yes. yeah I was going to say, save it on Patreon. <laughs> Carolyn, are you up to date on Discovery? No. I think oh. I will. How many new ones are there now? The, the season four is done. It's, oh, okay. no, there's, I think there's I think there's one more episode. Okay. No, I, I just started season whole... four. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this whole season has been a little, little up and down, but the last couple of episodes have been really good. And I think there's one or two more this season. But Picard also just season two just started. Um, of that. Yes. So I will wait until there are a few more Picards, and then I'll mm-hmm. jump on with my. Uh, free trial. <laughs> then I'll oh, right, 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 right. And then I'll jump back off. Gotcha. 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 Don't you have to then jump back for strange new worlds. That's coming. Too, oh, oh, yeah. They just released a trailer summer, for that. Yeah. yeah. What is the date for that? I think uh, in May. After yeah. Picard. So. Oh, they went discovery Picard and then strange new worlds. And I think discovery got like preempted a couple of weeks. Cause I was surprised that there's like two weeks of overlap between Picard and discovery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah, surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed it was done because Picard started. So I yeah, started watching no, there's, it. I think, I think either this week or next week is the finale. 
Okay. It's been a crazy season. This last episode had like a lot of like strange new worlds, like arrival esque stuff from that movie arrival. It was, it's, it's, it, it's gone places in the last mm-hmm. couple of episodes that have been really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I found everything up till this point um, uneven, but I thought the good things were really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, I would keep watching for sure. If there's, it's a good Star Trek season for me. If there is an episode where I cry, like if there's an episode <laughs> where I cry, I'm into it. Um, but there was a stretch with this season where I wasn't crying a lot and I was on my phone and stuff. But the last couple of episodes I've been really into. Well, you could watch Babylon 5 and cry. Well, yep. you know, now that you both of you have been talking it up, I actually wrote it on my notes here. Yes. There, there are weeping moments in Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, multiple weepers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, multiple weepers. <laughs> Joey, it's your turn. All right. Okay, my comic stuff. Actually, you know what? I'll start with Naomi, since that's kind of what we were just talking about uh, during Carolyn's lightning round. Um, I I was so, so excited to pick up Naomi season two, number one, um, this past week, especially since like three weeks ago, I was like, when's Naomi coming back? And I got piled on because everyone was like literally in two weeks so i picked it up um the whole team is back brian michael bendis david f walker jamal campbell um seeing jamal campbell on anything is chef's kiss on this it's just it is some of the best art that i've ever seen um in a, in a comic, in an action comic, in a superhero comic. Uh, yeah, Naomi's back. It picks up like three weeks after season one, which is kind of weird since season one was like two years ago at this point. And, and Naomi's been bouncing around the Justice League and doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're three weeks later, picking up with her story, picking up with her still, trying to come to terms with her powers, come to terms with her place in her community and particularly her relationship with her parents uh, and what these powers mean. Um, The relationship with her father in particular is at the center of this first issue. Um, And I really loved it. Let me say that first. I think it's awesome. Great to have it back. Um, I've noticed this more and more with superhero comics in particular, but a lot with writers like Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker, these writers that have been kind of doing their thing for a while is that the, uh, how do I put this? The recognition of the 22 page limit, I think has kind of gone by the wayside for a lot of these writers (laughs) because I think they anticipate the trades and they still like adhere to like, oh, 22 pages cliffhanger time. The cliffhanger for this issue is like terribly set up. Like, it, just, like it, it makes zero sense. It comes out of nowhere. Like you, first of all, it's Brian Michael Bendis. So everything is decompressed to begin with. And then all of a sudden in the last two pages, it's like the drama happens. And I'm like, what is happening? So I, 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 I don't know. Maybe you should have done two issues, double sized or something, or just release it as a full trade. But that's just something I've noticed as I've read more and more superhero comics from the big two over the last few months. That kind of adherence to the floppy format, I think, has kind of gone out the window as they've started to rely on trades. But with that said, the book is just as good as it was for season one, just as groundbreaking. Naomi's one of the coolest new characters to come out of DC and come out of comics in a while. I mean, the TV show is on my to watch list. Um, 
both because it's Ava DuVernay, but also because obviously it's Naomi and I, and I want to watch it. Um, so yeah, if you missed season two, number one, definitely check it out. Um, like I said at the top, I read a ton of DC books this past week. Um, I also read the Justice League versus Legion Superheroes, uh, number two. Another Brian Michael Bendis book with Scott Godalewski. Um, This is the origins of the Gold Lantern, um, which is like cool, I guess. Like it's a Legion of Superheroes. There's a thousand people on that team. You want to give me an origin story? Whatever. Like uh, it doesn't matter to me. Um, the the I, the the book is, despite its title not about justice league versus the legion of superheroes unless you're talking about batman being like hey y'all like this was cool and i'm glad we're in the year 3000 (laughs) but can we go back to our normal time and brainiac 5 is like nah and if that's the if that's the fight then hey man i'm here for it but you know it's a lot of great darkness stuff still setting things up um, I've decided that I really don't like the character of Black Adam. I, I, I don't like him here. I haven't been reading Justice League. Um, I, I don't know. I, he, he, uh, I, I liked him when he was a zombie in the Tom <laughs> Taylor DC East stuff. Like that was cool. Um, but yeah, this is, it, I'm not really digging it, but I love the Legion stuff and I love the Justice League banter. Um, nothing's happened in this book yet, so I'm still waiting for it to happen, but I love the art and I love the writing, so I'll stick around. Um, the other DC thing I read this past week was Green Arrow Stranded by Brendan Deanine and, uh, Bell Hasella. Um, this is another one of those YA graphic novels. Uh, this is the origin story for Ollie Queen, Green Arrow. Um, it's very lost, very yellow jackets for those that have watched that on, on Showtime, uh, Lord of the Flies kind of thing, you know, without all the weird stuff. Um, the, the the plane goes down. He's got to overcome his fears and and you know learn to uh, survive and take care of the, his his dad and things like that on this island and and seek rescue and refuge. Um, it's really it's really pretty to look at. Really great kind of I don't want to say simplification. That's not the right word, but a kind of a young adultification of, of the origin story. I will say that of all of the YA graphic novels, this feels the most YA um, in terms of like the panel designs or it's like a lot of one page splash pages, big typeface kind of simplified language. So of all of the YA graphic novels that have come out, this one feels the, like the most for, for younger readers, um, which Hey, is a cool thing. If, if that's what you're looking for, um, one jump over to Marvel. I was also able to, you all didn't talk about it last week. So I just wanted to hit on X-Men number nine, Jerry Duggan, Carlos Vila, um, quiet council of Krakoa, great ring of Iraco, the central column of Orcus. This is the solicit three ruling bodies all about to make vital decisions that will affect their people for years to come. And the X-Men are caught in the crossfire. And I got to tell you nine issues in and the X-Men whole thing has kind of lost the thread for me. Um, This issue of all of them, I was like, literally, I don't care about any of this. Like I, I, it, the thing about like the Hickman-esque style of writing that Jerry Dug- Duggan is doing right now too is like it's a lot of pontificating, a lot of big ideas, a lot of high fantasy, and and nothing else uh, sometimes. Like it's a lot of flash and sometimes very little substance masquerading as kind of deep philosophical conversation. Um, I'm missing some of those high concepts like the vault and I'm missing some of that, those stakes, like, you know, all of the, the stuff with, um, 
uh, Nimrod. So I don't know. I, I, I just uh, X Men number nine. I, 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 I it's was it's one of the first X Men readings that I've done in the last three years that X Men's really done this relaunch. That I was like, I did not have, I do not have any opinions on this. It just felt very flat to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've fallen off of a lot of the other books, so I'm kind of missing the surrounding threads. But X Men number nine was really the first time where I kind of felt a little just a little out of it um with that um i got a ton of batman thoughts too i don't know if we're doing that now or if steve we're going to do that after your lightning round um but those are my comics for the week uh we can get to it after uh my lightning round i think okay probably be a bigger discussion you didn't like the rogue gambit and destiny that was so cool, but I was like, why is this happening? I was like, Rogue and Gambit game walking world, around. They're looking for Game World that's been launching all these attacks against the X-Men. But they haven't, and I don't care about that. <laughs> like the Game World thing, <laughs> like the casino thing with the big guy with the big head, and he was like, ha we're going to bet on the mutants. I was like, what the hell? That was back in issue one, and I was like, you can't pull this vault thing twice on me, bro. Like if you're going to do that storyline, you do it right away. Okay, nah. I, I I couldn't do it, and like the the one offs with Modok and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but you know, I was invested in the Captain Krakoa stuff <laughs> and trying to figure things out, and I was like, we're bouncing around too much. This book doesn't come out often enough for me to stay involved, and I'm not as you know when when Hickman was doing his mm-hmm. X Men run and doing those like long form stories where he was returning to threads. I was reading every X book, you know, so I was able to follow those threads as they bounced around. Now that we're three years in and I've kind of fallen off some of the peripheral books and I'm really only reading the mainline book. I don't have those threads anymore, you know? So the books just feel, it really feels, it feels like I'm out of the loop, um, which I I haven't felt before with the X-Men. So this book felt like a lot of setup to something that's coming up. Yeah. Um, and and I they're doing another Hellfire Gala. They're not calling it the Hellfire Gala, but they're they're going to do something else this summer. So oh, Destiny, yeah. But in so I'm I'm on board through that. And I think anytime Pepe Larraz isn't on it, I feel like that it loses its its coherent yeah. thread. Like it's a it's a side issue. That's something else. And so this this issue felt like that. I love the Gambit part though, just because. Oh I've yeah, been, I've been a son-in-law who's despised by his mother-in-law. <laughs> no, not, not, not. No, sorry, not, not Whoa. my first marriage. My first marriage. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> not the. Right now, I, I, I'm, I'm doing well with my in-laws, but uh, <laughs> so when she's like making the like the throttling gesture with her hand that she yeah. wants to, that was funny, and I was I like, you know that. what? Give me Mr. and Mrs. X again because yes. that book was cool. You know, oh, that was great. Um, but like, I, you know what? It felt like to me. The other thing that's really irking me about X-Men right now is like the main thread for me isn't the game world thing. The main thread for me is Nimrod and Orcus and Omega Sentinel. Like that is where the drama is. And I know it's something that we've done before in the X books and like game world is the new thing and, and all of that. But like Orcus is the thread. And anytime we stray away from Orcus, I'm like, I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not as invested in the story, right. you know? Um, and the other thing too is 
the Araco stuff is so fascinating, but I don't know where it is. Like, I don't know where it's happening in what book it is. Cause it's not in Marauders. It's not in new mutants, you know, I, I, I don't know where all of this background stuff is. And they talk about like, Oh yeah. Like this, this character's been stuck in other world and things and you need to go get her. And I'm like, did that, that happen? Was that X from X of Swords yeah, two X years Swords. ago? Yeah. Like, what? Like, you expect me to remember that? Since you've been doing all this Modoc game world, so get out of here. You know, yeah. like, it no. makes zero sense to me. And I just like the threads are so disparate at this point mm-hmm. that it, I, I am, it's starting to really lose energy for me. Yeah. I don't just, I don't, I'm not against the setup. Like, no. the, 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 I'm still so, I still find the Krakoa, Araco, Mars, like all that stuff so compelling. And it's the coolest thing to happen in the X Men corner of the universe in so long. Yeah. But the books right now feel, and we, I think we talked about this mm-hmm. like a three months ago. They feel like they're just spinning wheels and they're just kind of like meandering in this. cool concept with no real thread i think they're trying to get to this summer when they relaunch like x-men red which is mars sure and then they're bringing steve orlando on marauders and all so yeah they they, once hickman left they feel like they've they've kind of lost a thread and and they put so many balls in the air that, that and then they canceled some of these books that yeah you're lost you're a little bit lost if you if you don't know what's going on yeah, because yeah. there all of a sudden there was a week where like all of my X Men books were gone. Yeah, like Hellions ended, Marauders kind of made the switch over. You know, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden it was like, what? Okay, I guess I'm done with X Men for a couple of weeks until all the new stuff launches. New Mutants feels consistent to me, and that's because Vita's been on it for now like almost a year and a half, and the the art has been consistent too. But they've been telling their own little story in their own little corner, you know. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I gotta kind of find my footing again with those books. I'm not, it's not a book that I'm going to leave, you know, X-Men I think is still really good, but X-Men nine, I was finally like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, what is happening here? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, Justice League though, that's fun. Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. I don't have zero idea what's going on, but that one is fun. <laughs> like at least there's jokes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> If you read the the Ryan Sook Bendis Legion, that's where the Gold Lantern comes about. So that's why this book feels like a sequel to that rather than a Justice cool. League story, because the Justice League is if, if this is the Bendis Justice League I've wanted that I did not get, and I'm not going to get because he's leaving the book yeah. after this week's issue, and then they're killing them all. So. <laughs> No, well, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and, and Godowski's art is awesome. Yeah, I got a really light week in terms of comics, so maybe I'll read the Legion of Superheroes Bendis run from. Oh last yeah, year. it's great. Aaron loved yeah. it, so I love the Young Justice. So I want to, mm-hmm. I want to read more of that stuff. And it's got a uh, John Kent in it. Oh well, there you go. There you go. Hey, how, how does this Gold Lantern stuff work? What happened to the weakness of Yellow and all that? So the Gold Lantern, you got to jump yeah. a thousand years in the future, oh. and and the Guardians are like, we did the well. The, how do the Guardians talk? They're probably like, we did the Green Lantern thing. <laughs> okay, Stephanie. And, and now we are going to harness the power of gold, and then they and then they like find this like little boy who like or I don't know uh, this alien Maybe a teacher, yeah, yeah, who yeah. like. 
saves a bunch of kids in a fire on some planet somewhere and they're like you have shown us your strength of spirit and you are the gold lantern <laughs> and the guy is like uh i don't know if i can do that and and now they're stuck in the present day yeah. trying to stop the great darkness darkness so there you go pow, pow, you know <laughs> yeah and the yellow the yellow no longer affects the green lanterns ever since parallax was removed from the core of the battery under mm. jeff johns and that's where they oh. came up with all the like the red lanterns and the yellow lanterns yeah. and the purple it, lanterns. there was that cool yeah. moment too where like they ask kalo about the lanterns and he mm-hmm. and they're like i don't know what that is and they kind of have to like tell the story of the green lanterns and all of that yeah so that's a that's something cool and why i kind of want to read the legion stuff because the notion of being a thousand years ahead in the future and yeah. seeing how we look back on the age of heroes i think is a cool conceit and i want to <laughs> engage with that and they keep calling her queen naomi yes <laughs> that way yeah and that's the other thing you know like the naomi stuff is so cool and i think I think that's one of the benefits of having like a Bendis and a Walker on it. Like a, the character is great in that book, but that Bendis is able to carry her over into this book and into justice league, obviously um, elevates it. It's the same thing that happened with Kamala, you know, like, uh, uh, with Miss Marvel, you know, like G. Willow Wilson was doing such amazing work in the main book, but it was Mark Wade who was on Avengers that was like, I'm gonna put her, I'm gonna put her there, you know, and then and yeah. then put her in the champions and really elevate her profile in the in the kind of team books. It, yeah. Joey, when I saw the first panel of Naomi, said only three weeks have passed. I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I was like, really? Like you're just, you're not, you're not even going to pretend that she's been doing the justice league thing for like two years. (laughs) Oh my God. No, it was not so easy to get into that headspace. Um, but I did enjoy the issue. Of course we love, we love Jamal. We're just going to call him Jamal now. Like he's our friend. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I do want to say that I had forgotten, having been watching the show for the last couple months, um, what D looked like in the comic. Yeah. And yeah. I just want to say uh, D on the TV show doesn't look like D in the comic. And D on the TV show is smoking hot. So Ooh. that's a little extra plug to watch Naomi. Yeah. You don't like D in the comic. He's kind of like bulbous. You know, he's kind of like his, he has a really round head. You don't like that? <laughs> is, is bulbous a word you generally use to describe things that you're interested in? <laughs> do, you, do you feel what I was saying, though, about like the cliffhanger coming out of nowhere? Yeah, I, was like, I mean, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I guess, you know, I might I might be I I, I guess I um, I give the I I, I give um, Bendis's decompression. I'm just so used to it that I don't even get annoyed about it anymore. Maybe that's a way of putting it. Um, And I'm just sort of expecting it. And in the meantime, I really like the character. I really like coming up with uh, a new place and new powers. And I like the art. So I'm in. Yeah. Sweet. Bulbous. Bulbous. This could be the episode title. Just bulbous. (laughs) (laughs) I'll write it down. We'll see. We'll see if it makes it to the end. Probably not. Um, all right. Well, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> uh, Little Monsters, number one, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen. Yeah, I believe. Uh, and letters and design by Steve Wands. So if you are not familiar, 
This is partly the team behind uh, Descender and Ascender, as well as other books across the comic universe. Little Monsters is about a group of kids who also happen to be vampires. They have kind of been left in the ruins of a city and are awaiting the return of their master. The problem is, is that the master left about 100 years ago. And despite these kids being around for so long, they don't necessarily, they haven't grown up much. Uh, They're still playing uh, tag and capture the flag throughout the streets, jumping off of roofs on dares and things like that. They don't worry about it. When they land, they only break bones and they heal because they're immortal. Everything's fine. Um, But the problem is, is that something about their routine, one of them who looks an awful lot like one of the characters from Descender and Ascender, (laughs) uh, Dustin definitely has a type for characters. Uh, this character's had enough. He's bored. He's he's tired of playing it safe, not venturing out, not seeing what's out there. Everybody says there's nothing out there. You know, why bother? Let's just wait for Master to come back, and then we'll figure out our next steps. It hasn't really been that long. And other dudes, like, it's been about 100 years. I'm bored. Things need to change. Oh, crap. The sun's coming up. I got to go and fetch, you know, one of our friends, make sure that they're back in time to be in their coffin or sleep underneath so the uh, sun doesn't come and eat them. And then everything changes. Uh, This book was real cool. I really, really, really loved the, it's a black and white presentation for the, uh, for the art, but it does have smatterings of color when like there's something like blood or there's one point where one of the vampires is using chalk to draw on the walls of the buildings and all of the chalk drawings are in color. So you get this really like stark contrast and the, the color really, really leaps out kind of like um, black magic, the um, Nicholas Scott artwork for that, how like the flames and the spells and stuff kind of leap uh, out at you in that series. Uh, when the hell is that coming back? That's what I want to know. <laughs> but uh Yeah, Little Monsters is cool. I think it's interesting that they don't appear to have matured in the time. Like, I wonder how the vampire rules work for this story. That's kind of what I'm waiting to find out. I'm really enjoying the book otherwise, but I'm intrigued by the rules of these vampires and what, like, stipulations they might have to adhere to as they continue their their undead lives uh, and I would be bored too. And I would want to go out and explore and find out what's what. And, uh, you know, just make sure you got a building to crawl under or something when the sun comes up. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit because I know John read it too. But moving on, uh, I want to talk about Bolero for a second. Bolero numbers one and two, written by Wyatt Kennedy with art by Luana Vecchio and letters by Brandon Graham. Okay. Devin is a 20-something-year-old woman who's fallen in love with a trans woman named Natasha. Before Devin and Natasha, Devin was a bit of a wreck. She partied too hard, she was drifting through life without much of a plan, and certain that she'd never love again. Then Devin and Natasha broke up. With her world crumbling on all sides, Devin reverts to her old ways. But what if you could change all of that? 
What if a random stranger or a random hookup, if you will, uh, introduced you to a multiversal portal upon uh, whereupon brokering after brokering a deal, you can open a total of 53 doors and live a different life with each new door opened. Uh, the catch is that once you accept the key to open all the doors and you kind of roll the dice, there's no going back to your original life. The old you is replaced by an alternate version. So meanwhile, you're left to open doors until you find the ideal life. Here's the thing, though. What if none of the doors lead to a better place? What if so much time has passed since you opened that first door and the new one that you've moved on to that this replacement for you has learned from your mistakes and has found happiness and that maybe if you had just been patient and, and, and learned, you could have been happy too. This book is wild. It's one of the coolest things that I've read so far this year. Um, it's got this gorgeous bisexual lighting to it. Lots of like soft purples and blues and reds. Um, lots of consensual sexy times as well for people that dig that sort of thing. Uh, I say this about a lot of books, but I really do mean this. This would make for an absolutely incredible live action series, like an HBO Max, like a Euphoria or something like that. Uh, it's another one of those deep question stories for me. I love thinking about connective tissue and how some of the biggest events of your life can start from something that's seemingly insignificant and small. Um, and I was actually, I was asking myself if I would accept the key and walk through the doors to visit other realities and you could wake up, you still wake up as you after you walk through the door, but you're in a different time. You're in a different place. You're still in your own body, but your gender can change. Um, and with each new one, you can take the key out of your pocket or wherever you're keeping it. And if you don't like that life, you can move on to another one. But if you start to get picky, if you get a little too Seinfeldian about things and you're not finding your ideal and you move on to the next one, you only have 53 chances to get this right. So you can burn through a lot of doors in a short period of time and you can't go back. So it's basically a story about sacrifice and how bad do you really have things? And would you move on to an entirely different reality to try and change it? And what happens when your replacement figures it out and goes on living your old life better than you did? So it's, it's a very, very, very cool story. I'm really digging it. I was a little thrown by the first issue because it's one of those things where it feels like a relationship book and then bam you're meeting with this like omnipotent cat god thing that rips its chest open and swallows you and then takes a piece of your biological makeup and makes a key out of it spits you back out and hands it to you and says walk through the door go ahead and um it's a ride i i, I highly recommend it if you want to read a little something out there and strange and, and kind of sexy and cool. And I, uh, I'm into it. It, it. It's, there have been a couple of things that have kind of gone below the radar, something like Ma that uh, Joey had had tipped me off to that just feels like nobody else is doing this kind of thing in comics right now. Um, so if you're looking for something unique, definitely go and check out. Uh, it's called Bolero. It's B O L E R O. 
and it's uh, I believe it's from Image Comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. I'm I'm really I'm really digging it. Like I said, after the first issue, I was a little little bit hesitant, but then I read them both back to back, and man, like it's I'm so anticipating the next issue. It's great. Um, I was going to talk about Monkey Me, but I don't really know how much I can say about it. Uh, it's the Junie Ba series. Outrageous art, man. What was that other book, Joey? Dejelia? Dejelia, yeah. Yeah, well, like, as as incredible as that was, this is going to the next level for Junie Ba's artwork. It is so vibrant. It reminds me of something that could be like a 2D side-scrolling game, like art used for like a Guacamelee-style uh, studio game or like a Hollow Knight or something like that. Um, it's weird. It's kind of, it's about a corporation that built itself on a magical island. And so just by the nature of the island, the products that they make and mass produce and manufacture and feed to the world are also imbued with a kind of magic, but each one of them has its own origin story. And so you're kind of going issue to issue in an anthology style way of learning about how these products either how they were born or made or how like how they affect people and what is the what are the results of those effects and how do they change people's lives uh, i would say the third issue is my favorite one so far but every single one of them has been just a visual feast junie ba's artwork is next level stuff i don't know that i'm following the story all too much but I'm still enjoying the ride. So I'm going to keep going with it. It's a limited series. I think it's like five or six issues. Uh, Maybe it's one of those things that once I have all the pieces, it'll make a lot more sense. Uh, Again, very weird book, but very cool. Uh, And last but not least yesterday, meaning Sunday, I, uh, I decided to watch all three of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies And I sat down, I bought for myself, promptly after seeing the Batman, I bought the Lego Technic Batmobile set. It's like 1,036 pieces. Let me tell you something. I've put together a lot of Lego in my day. This might be the hardest thing that I've ever built. I don't know if all of the Technic sets are this complicated, but I had to dismantle and rebuild this thing, I think, third time's the charm for me. Getting partway through and realized that you used like the peach piece instead of the yellow piece. And it's one of those longer rod pieces. And it's part of the engine of the Batmobile. And it's all the way in there. And you have no choice because you have to move it by like one peg. You have to take the entire thing apart because you can't get to it any other way. And so... I went through all three of the Nolan Batman movies while building this thing. And I'm only on bag four of building this Batmobile, but it looks sick. It's awesome. It's really cool. And thankfully, like after you go further with the build and kind of manipulate pieces and connect them all together, it starts to level the car out. I was getting real nervous because my engine wasn't sitting right. And my roof was a little slanted and I'm like, Oh no, but it turned out to be okay. Uh, As far as the Batman movies, I just have a couple of observations. It's been a long time since I've seen these. I think I've only seen, I know I've only seen Rises twice in the theater and then right when it came out. So it's been several years since I've seen that one. 
Uh, I've seen Dark Knight a couple of times. And I think I've only seen Begins twice, but apparently didn't remember much from that movie at all. Uh, because for one, I forgot how much Scarecrow is a part of that. I mean, the trilogy overall, he pops up every now and again, but he's practically the main villain in Begins. I mean, with the exception of Raza Ghoul, like Scarecrow is it. Uh, I kind of wish that they had different effects for the fear gas throughout the movie. I feel like the fear gas, you got to have a little bit of variety with that. I think fear affects people in different ways. And I think it would have been cool to see that differently represented throughout the movie and not just one base look for it. Uh, the bat cycle is ridiculously cool. Bale plays a great playboy, Bruce Wayne. Uh, he knows how to keep up the facade. I really enjoyed those elements of the movie. Bale's Batman voice, though, <laughs> and his overall Batman, I don't think is my Batman. The voice is so silly. It's so silly. When he starts screaming at everybody, it is. Uh, let's see. Hathaway is fine as Selena. I would say that that Pfeiffer and Kravitz uh, do a better job. Uh, Heath Ledger is still the king. I love that moment when he visits uh, Aaron Eckert. He visits Harvey Dent in the hospital. And Harvey, it ha Joker has to take off his surgical mask for him to figure out that, for <laughs> Harvey to figure out it's him. And he starts freaking out in his hospital bed. He's all like, dude, really? You didn't see the eye makeup? Come on. I know you're just waking up, but get with it. Uh, overall, I think they're a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching them back to back. It was neat to do it that way. I don't really get the time to do movie marathons, but like I said, Bronwyn's on her work trip, so I got some time on my hands. Um, it was very alarming how much these movies have a dude problem. Uh, none of the women talk to each other throughout all three movies. Is it like that surprising? No, but like I, it was 2022 still happening. Yeah, I know. I remember Aaron saying something. We were talking about the Batman last week and it stuck out to me. And I was like, let me watch, let me watch these and let me see, you know, what goes down and no, like cat. I don't know what I, they didn't even give her a name. I don't know what Catwoman's younger friend was in this movie. Um, the little blonde haired girl that was stealing from the dude who stole his wallet or something like that at 60 bucks on that. But she doesn't talk to anybody. Like she doesn't even talk to Talia once they're kind of in the same scenes together. Uh, it was wild how there was, and there's, oh my God, there's so much of women about to speak and then men jumping in and speaking for them. And it really, really just, tested my patience every time it happened. I was like, Oh God, you gotta be kidding me. Um, anyway, I still had a good time going through the trilogy. It was fun to revisit it and kind of watch it with fresh eyes and, and watching it after having seen the new movie and making, you know, a couple of compares and contrasts. And like I said, I think Bale does a decent Bruce Wayne, uh, but I just, I hit his, his Batman. I, I laughed for the majority of his scenes. I just, I, I, I don't know that he plays the character well for me. And last thing that I will say, Michael Caine, best Alfred uh, of the newer Alfreds. He really, he's great in these movies. Uh, I did think it was a little weird that he kind of disappears 
for a majority of the third one and then just doesn't come back until the end when Bruce is supposed to be dead. And I was like, okay. It's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a metaphor for what? A metaphor for Bruce going down that wrong path and cutting himself off. Remember, Michael Caine's like, I can't watch you kill yourself. You know, like, he's like, I'm not going to watch you take down the legacy of the way, la la la. And he's like, I, I'm going to leave, you know? Why is that part Catherine Hepburn? What are you doing? He's Norman the Holy crap! The Dark Knight Rises. Joey, that might have. That might be my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, what does he say? He's got. Remember, he's like crying. He's tilting his head. Yes. He's crying. Yeah. He looks right at him. He's like, "I'm not gonna watch you." <sighs> blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> You know, uh, I'll, ne- I'll never give. I'll never give up on you. No, he doesn't ever. say that. He says, blah, 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 and then he leaves." Oh, I will say this though, because Aaron, Aaron brought up um, how disrespectful he felt that uh, Pattinson's Batman was to Alfred in the new movie. But Bale's Bruce Wayne straight up says the same thing to him in Begins about Alfred not being a part of the family. And totally, totally throws it in his face. He's like, why would you care? They're not your family. And I was like, oh, my God, there it is. Like, the past is doomed to repeat itself. Not good there either. No, it's not. Uh, Anyway, uh, I might do the I I have more time with my Batmobile, so I might do the Burton movies. Yes. Uh, Schumacher, baby. I'll do I'll probably do the four of those because I'm like I've been I've been Batmaning it up for the last couple of months and I've just been having a blast with it. Like I've been reading all over the place. I just picked up Darwin Cook's ego mm, uh, last week. Oh, that's a fun little one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't read it yet. I don't think I've ever read it. I'm gonna um I was gonna read it for this week, but I was like, ah, I'm not gonna Batman I, again. I freaking love the Burton movies. I also really like the Schumacher movies. I know they're they're like so so ridiculous, oh, but I love them. The Bat Skates, like I love them, you know, like <laughs> the back the bat credit card is what gets yeah, me. Yeah. Um, Never leave the cave without it. You know, the bat like I I t- I I think I emailed you this, but I was like, I really love batman begins i think it's i think it's a really really cool movie it's still it's still for all of its kind of like brooding noir kind of sentimentalities i think it still has a bit of camp to it that i really like um the dark knight is the dark knight and i think it has its rightful place as people's like you know a, a kind of vaunted film um there are still things about that movie that I'm like, I, I don't really get it, but, but you know, Heath Ledger's fantastic. And, and um, uh, the, the, that I think is, is the, the pinnacle of Nolan's films. I have always, always been critical of the third film. I just, I cannot get behind it. I think it's bloated. I think the twists at the end are ridiculous. Oh, I come think, on, Joey. No, the Bane <laughs> stuff. <laughs> The Bane stuff is trash and the waste like of Talia. it's a waste mm-hmm. of Talia, a waste of Yo. Bane. Mm-hmm. I, the, I... the thing that I've always, I, the thing that I've always hated about it and hates a strong word. The thing that I've always never not liked about it 
and that I actually did like about the Batman thing because Paul Dano does similar kind of shtick with his stuff in in the in, as the Riddler and his whole like tear down the city blah 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 thing. You know, people rise up against a city that is has um, you know betrayed you. Is that in the Batman, like the Riddler means it, you know, and like it it plays out properly there, you know, in terms of like these these everyday people kind of like who feel let down and belittled, like uh, rise up and inflict violence and all of that. Like it makes sense. The Bane stuff is made up. He's putting on a show and it's an act and it's just like for all of the people that are like, Oh yeah, this movie's about like tale of two cities, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's no, fake. It's like Bane is straight up fake the whole time. Like he's lying. It's not real. Um, and, and that I think is just, it totally undercuts any of the kind of messaging or thematic focus. And obviously the Talia, so the plot in that movie, like all of that is, all of it is, is wasted um, for, for, for really nothing in my opinion. Um, and if you detonate a nuclear bomb five miles away from a city, that city is gone. You know, like it's sorry, that's physics. Um, also, Batman don't quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, there's so many things wrong with that movie. I'm I'm in the minority. I'm not a big fan of any of the three movies. I think they are good films. They're lousy Batman movies. He's so ineffectual across three films. It it gets worse because now we've got an entire city held hostage for what six months oh yeah like mm -hmm. months upon the, months right, the federal government yeah. does nothing about this they're just well, they can't because if they do they'll blow the bomb joey let's talk <laughs> physics you can explode <laughs> a, a low-yield nuclear weapon above gotham city and fry every circuit in the joint and their bomb won't go off end of plot it would be over in 20 minutes why, why have you thought about this bob <laughs> because I, I dislike that no, movie I'm, so I'm much. Joking. Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah. he's, go, he's, he's gone through it. He's like, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, so I, many I, problems. And again, he, I also, he, he in that movie goes from he's got no cartilage in his knees and we start this whole thing. And he, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he suddenly goes out when he shouldn't and loses Bane. Then he trusts Selena and gets his back broken. It's too much, yeah. you know, and it's like that movie, uh, you know, I, yeah, I always wondered why they made it. I mean, I know why, cause it's big money and all of that stuff and blah, blah, blah. But you know, after, after dark Knight and after Heath Ledger, I always wondered what, why come back and do the third, you know? Um, but, you know, here we are. That movie happened and yeah. it's uh, it's a little, <laughs> little Joe Go Levin there, you know? How could you say no? <laughs> I read somewhere that they had more plans. Like there was a different movie for the third one planned and then uh, Heath Ledger passed yeah. and they had to rethink everything nolan, so i'm wondering nolan did an interview after that where he was like i don't know if i want to do a third one and then of course they yeah. ended up doing the third one so like again I, I think you're right i think that like that movie is a studio movie that kind mm -hmm. of has a lot of pieces in it and granted i'm sure they came up with a story that they wanted to tell but it is probably a different arc than where they saw it going right i'll tell you this i completely forgot about the talia twist when I was rewatching it and then all of a sudden that moment happened and I was like, Oh, 
Right, they did this too. <laughs> yeah. And then you send her yeah. off with a Captain Kirk in Generations. Oh, moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just laying there in the truck. Yeah. And she's like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. I did it. You know, I have filled my destiny. And I like, was the child. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. It was a. It was a. It was fun to have it on in the room while you know building this thing and kind of going through them again and being like, you know, like I under, I kind of get why the Batman movies are so divisive and why it's so hard to make a list and rank them because there are kind of little things about all of them. Yeah. And um, little things about all of them because, and this is, I think to Bob's point, like the, the, the version of the character in the comics that people are into is this is this Bruce Wayne character, Batman character, who is an incredibly capable hero who comes out of the shadows and does weird things and like and like can decipher clues and solve puzzles and has a giant T-Rex in the back. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> there's so many pieces of the character that like none of the movies go all in. You know, like the, the, the Nolan movies are very much a product of like the, the 2010s, you know, like this kind of surveillance state born, born identity, like hard action, you know, all elbows and forearms kind of kicks and whatever big hulking men. It's very much that kind of power myth of the, of the 2010s, you know, uh, post war on post during war on terror kind of thing. That's not the Batman from the comics, you know? Are there pieces of it that's there? For sure. But it's not the version that th- there are mul- that like there are multiple elements that that version ignores that people are going to respond negatively to. The same thing with the Burton ones and the same thing with the Schumacher ones and the, even the same thing with the 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 the, the, the Batuzzi, you know, like um the Adam West Batman. Like that yes. is a very particular ver- it's awesome. But then it doesn't have parts of the character that people want. So, like, it's really hard to strike a version of that character that hits all of the notes. I'm going to say something that's going to sound really controversial, but isn't to me. (laughs) Okay, the television show, when the book had, the books that were coming out at that point were trying to be more serious. So, it definitely loses that. The movies that are the closest to an era of a comic book are the Schumacher ones doing the one yeah. post Wortham fifties and dopey early sixties book with zebra Batman and giant props. They are actually accurate to a certain era of Batman comics that no one wants to remember, but they, they are accurate to what he's trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then they are generally terrible, but they, they're accurate. I'll give them that. Uh, totally. And I don't know if you want to switch over to the Batman now. I but, just want to say one thing yeah. about the Schumacher movies before we, we move on. Uh, because Reeves is talking about doing a more grounded version of Mr. Freeze for the Batman sequel. I keep seeing images of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze. And I completely <laughs> forgot that he spends half of that movie walking around in little like oh, the bathroom? bunny slippers or like yeah, polar yeah. bear slippers or yeah. something like that. And a lounge robe, a smoking jacket. Yeah. yeah. How, how, <laughs> um, how can it be more grounded? He's Mr. Freeze. It's he's not gonna have, grounded. He's, he's going to have a super, you know, the super soaker with the backpack. You know which one I'm talking about? Yes. And it's going to shoot dark teeth. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to shoot liquid hydrogen. That's what it's going to be. Okay. Um, so he's, so he's going to work at a Broadway yeah. theater? I mean, and do hey. 
Yeah. No. Oh, God. <laughs> He's just a stagehand walking stage around hand. with a box of <laughs> I, like, Bane Tom, and Mr. F- Mr. Freeze Uma Thurman is department. Poison Ivy in that movie, too. And they're teaming up where it, he wants and, to freeze the earth and she wants to fill yeah. it with plants. How does that work? Well, that's the have, one with McGregor syndrome, right? Right. Yeah. And then yeah. Bane's in it as well. There's an actual Bane in that's that right. one, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The actual Venom. The Venom, yeah. The drug. Yeah. But I think Batman, though, is, at this point in time has become almost like James Bond. Like, you can do anything with the character. And directors just use Batman to tell their stories. I agree. Because I, I, I teach AP government, and so my test is in early May. So I have, like, three weeks to fill. Every, year, every few years I do um, – I use the Dark Knight as a we, – we've studied policy. We've studied, like, uh, war on terror policy, like Joey was saying – and that movie is, you know, the the main event of where, um, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, Rachel, Rachel, yeah. uh, dies oh, is is nine eleven, and then you see the de- the degradation of society, and they'll do anything to end the war on terror. But the Joker is terrorism, and you don't know what it's gonna, what form it's going to take. And and so I I I watch it almost yearly for that rises. I, I mean that obviously it's a commentary on like the, the 1% in the occupy wall street. It, and it wants the best, to be. It, I, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It wants to do what dark Knight did. It's just, it, it doesn't land. And, and it's almost too, it's, it, there's no subtlety to it. And it makes me wonder what the movie they wanted to make. But the, the, the thing is, the third movie was going to happen no matter what. And Nolan decided he might as well try and control it to the best of his ability because I don't think they really wanted to make it, but they had him under contract to make it. And so that's how we get rises. Yeah. All I was going to say was that tonally, I, 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 the thing that I did like about the Batman movie that just came out, Robert Pattinson, um, I'm a big Robert Pattinson fan, big Zoe Kravitz fan, big Jeff Wright fan, big Paul Dano fan. Like the cast mwah, loved it to death. I also thought tonally, I think what it was trying to capture lines up with some of the Batman adjacent books that I've really enjoyed. I remember one of the first books that I comic books I ever picked up was a Ed Brubaker detective comics, you know, and obviously Gotham central and, and some of these like kind of more kind of, again, those kind of brooding noir detective criminal underbelly, you know, Batman books. So tonally, I think the Batman, Matt Reeves, Batman, the Matt, Matt Reeves, the Batman, I think does line up with an iteration of the comic, but to Bob's point from last week and from before, like they, they, no one gets the detective thing. Like, I, I don't understand how hard it is to write a detective caper, you know? Um, maybe you gotta like just maybe you just gotta do like knives out, get get Daniel Craig to come mm-hmm. in and be like, listen, Batman, here's my thing. Like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. like you know, like that like the, the he, that detective part isn't missing. I think mean, Batman's kind of walking around, he sees blood on the floor and blah blah blah. Like that that stuff cool, and like it's like almost there. He's like almost solving things, but that like detective element just hasn't been quite nailed down just yet. Um but overall, I, I really enjoyed the film and I liked it a hell of a lot more than I liked The Dark Knight Rises. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, 
was talking off air with Bob that I, I think that like the, he made a comment last week about some of the geography of the car chase scenes. And I was saying that I felt about a lot of the action sequences, whether it was the car chase or the fight choreography or, or like the fight in Gotham's Gotham um, square garden. Um, <laughs> I just felt the fight choreography and the stunt choreography overall was just a little a little messy and I, I couldn't get a sense of any sense of style or sequence to it. It was a little, it was a little brutalist in its approach, but without any kind of visual sensibility. Um, not that there weren't cool shots in any of those sequences and not that there weren't any cool like camera tricks in any of those sequences, but overall I just had a tough time following the action. Even Zoe Kravitz's um, Catwoman had those like kicks and flips and things. And I, I, I just, I couldn't follow them at times. Um, but like I said, tonally overall, I, I really liked the film. Um, I like the Riddler thing. I like the Zodiac kind of, uh, uh, of uh, connections there. Um, I like the social media stuff. Um, I liked the, the, I liked the failure of, of Batman, um, in it. I like the, the recognition that, you know, that you cannot be a vehicle of vengeance without, tearing people down around you you know like it took me a while to realize that the guy that he unmasks in gotham square garden is the guy he saves at the beginning of the film i'm pretty sure um so like that arc you know seeing that transformation which i think steve you talked about last week like that realization for him i think was potent and palpable um the movie's too long it is way too long I did not like the score. I know Steve, you love the score. Um, yeah, I've been listening. To I know, I know, but I just, I, I, all I hear is the Danny Elfman. Like all I hear is that song and I just want it over it all the time. Um, I just want that OG music. Um, but, uh, but I think the movie's too long. And the thing that I, I, I think that this movie sh- taught me is that the movie's cool. And this version of the character is cool the movie is too long because the movie should be a six hour HBO miniseries. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, like I am at a point now where I'm realizing that like these filmmakers want the space to tell these long form narratives. And the movie is even structured in such a way where I'm like episode ending, episode ending, episode <laughs> ending episode, like the car chase happens and they do the interrogation and you think it's, it's the penguin. And it's like, nah, man, it's not me. You know, I've, I've, so, it's not me. Why would it be me? And I'm like, that's an episode ending. And then it's like, Oh, uh, and then, and then you have the, the kind of guest character at the end of the movie. And I'm like, Oh, this is a season finale cliffhanger for next season. When this character becomes a big person, you know, like, tonally and even the title card like the boom the batman in big letters i'm like that is a tv show title card (laughs) like it just it felt like it and i was like why didn't they do it pull the trigger you want subscribers anyway i get why it's batman it has to be on the big screen but you're you are you're already telling four episodes worth of story here you had all of these tv offshoots like gcpd and batgirl and all these things you want to do why not be the big, be the, be the groundbreakers and do it. Six episodes, the Batman subscribe to HBO max. People would have lapped that up. You know, I understand why. Cause it's, again, it's the Batman. It's the big DC, blah, blah, blah. It's a tentpole movie. And it's making tons of bank right now Two two really successful weekends at the box office. Um, but you know, I just, I, I think that the, even like the style of it, 
the the shoddy fight choreography, the practical effects, you know, all of it felt like it needed more space to explore these relationships and, and tell these stories over a season. You know, that's what it felt like to me. Not that that's a, a dig at the movie, but I, I really enjoyed it so much so that I think if it had had the extra two hours and it's been split into episodes, I think it would have been the coolest thing. Um, and, and I think people would have been watching it and talking about it and it would have been like, you know, game of Thrones action over here, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's, like I said, it's way too long. There are things about it that I think are a little shoddy, but overall I like the direction and I like Robert Pattinson. Um, and Zoe Kravitz was, was cool as well. Um, I'm not as taken with some of the like, Oh, all these, all these rich white people, you know, that felt a little like lip service to me at times. Um, but, uh, um, I, I, again, I, I get, I get what it was trying to do with those pieces more so than some of the other films we're doing. It's my take. It's my hot, that's my hot take. (laughs) The hottest of takes. Uh, Carolyn, you want to jump in? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I'm not sure how I feel about the TV series, but I guess I could get behind that, but just about everything else he said, I agree with. And I think a number of the things that Joey said really kind of echo points that we were all just making about the Nolan trilogy um, in that it's like, it, it, I feel like this movie is very dated already. (laughs) I mean, technically every movie is, right? But but how we were just sort of saying, you know, you can really tell about the Nolan trilogy and 9-11 and that kind of stuff. I feel like this has elements of that because of the the couple of lines about white privilege and about being orphans, which are really just sort of isolated sentences. Um, and I feel like people will look back and say, oh yeah, that's when people were talking a lot about white privilege and cancel culture and oh no, the social media stuff too. That was a big deal in the early 2020s. And, you know, um, and I, so I think that like the Nolan trilogy, it's like trying to make this point about, about class and and about structure, but it just can't do it. They can't commit to it because they mention those things, but in the end, it always comes down to somebody's individual mel- mental illness that somebody, an individual of the Batman, has to fight against. You know, so he should use his money to fight that, get gear to fight that individual guy with mental illness, then sort of fight the structural problems of Gotham or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I I appreciated that they were trying to do that. I just don't think that they got very far with it, and and I also agree that. It's it's trying to take it. I agree with John. I think it was John that said that this it, it there can be elements that um, it feels like this is a movie that someone wanted to make, but there's just Batman elements in it in a way. Like this yeah. is kind of like a horror movie, which I think I'm on record uh-huh. as not particularly liking. It's kind yeah. of trying to be like a violent neo noir sort of thing, but. I mean, I don't I don't know if it's a great way to build a younger or wider fan base for superheroes to like have someone's face in a 1984 rat cage. Oh yeah, definitely not. It's so um, it, well, it's also 1984, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's that too. Um so 
I I just um, there were th- I do think that a lot of the shots were really nicely composed, and I thought the framing was cool. I really liked um, Pattinson. I I liked Colin Farrell's makeup. I know everybody's talking about that. I liked Zoe Kravitz, but there's butts to all these things. Like, uh-huh. why would you cast Colin Farrell in this role if you wanted to cast someone big? Why didn't you just cast someone big? Um, if you no, know, I the Zoe Krab Zoe Kravitz was very good with what she did, and I liked the Darwin Cook aesthetic of what she was wearing very much. But if you if she as a character has all this money to spend on leather and wigs and a good bike, why does she have a ninety nine cent hat that she cut with scissors? I, I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, um, she spent all the money on like the leather from the neck down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm going to wear this beanie which with looked, a cutout for my eyes, which looked great, but. And it, but again, there's another but, which is when she's changing into that letter, leather, it's so male gazy. He's watching her through the window. Her nipples are sticking out. I assume she's cold, whatever, fine. But, you know, I mean, come on. It's 2022. And it's, it's just, and he's basically like pimping her at the club. He knows that, that's, that she needs to be sort of flirty with guys in order to get information, right? Well, that's yeah. not nice. I, I, it definitely is not passing the Bechdel test. And I don't think two people of color ever spoke to each other either. And uh, I, I wanted Gordon. I love Jeffrey Wright. Most recently in French Dispatch. It's great. If you haven't seen him. Oh, I cried. You at the end. I cried during his story. So did I. Movie. So did I. He's basically doing James Baldwin and he's unbelievable. Um, oh, so good. Oh, so um I like him a lot, but I didn't feel like Gordon was his partner. I felt like Gordon was just like, I support you and I believe you and punch me in the face. And um, what do you need me to do now? Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. So, and, and the, I didn't like his treatment of Alfred, but yes, Steve, for sure. That's all happened before. But how many times do we have to watch him learn things? Could we just do, could we do something else maybe? Yeah. So it's, I, it's I feel a, like this is not this movie's not for me. I get that. It's not for yeah. me. And if this is someone's first Batman movie, I think it really that really could be a good thing. Um I think that if you're starting your Batman journey with he's younger and he's privileged, but he's going to learn a little bit along the way and he's going to try to be better at the end and it's sort of ending on a more hopeful note. I hope it's ending on a note going into no man's land, but that's probably not really what they're going to do. Um I, I I guess I just I just felt like there wasn't a lot new for me here. I I like the way it looked, although not the car chase. I'm with Bob on that. Um, and I I really did like the performances, but I I just had I just had I just had issues. Also, why are you yeah. spray painting on the floor? That makes no sense. Who does that? Yeah. It's it's funny you said that it's like a uh you know if, if this is your first Batman movie because there's something about this movie too that I was like thank God I'm familiar with Batman uh that this movie felt like it was made for people that know Batman and don't need a lot of that setup. Well, I can tell you that my my partner Steve basically when we left was like what was the plot of that movie? Now to me it was yeah. totally clear because I knew who everybody was. And he's like, no, I, I, I don't know. Like all the cops were corrupt, but then it seemed like there were a few dozen cops clapping when they arrested John Turturro. 
Yeah. And and then at some point, he, when the, oh, this is when the credits came up. He said, who was Colin Farrell? I said, he was the penguin. He said, which guy was the penguin? It was the penguin. I No, I'm telling you. You know, I mean, I've seen – he's watched plenty of Batman-oriented things with me. I'm like, his name – he was Oswald Cobblepot. He said, who was Oswald Cobblepot? Now, to us, it was totally clear when he's like, I'm Ozzy, right? Yeah, But yeah, that's yeah. not – necessarily going to be clear to everybody so yeah you make a good point there joey yeah yeah i'm wondering what a ben affleck older batman movie would have been like that we're never going to get well yeah it's interesting because like i i also wonder too like like this movie the batman remember when they were like we're going to make a daredevil set in the 70s you know like it kind of had that vibe to this it was like we're going to do this like throwback like you know grungy you know like the 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 mythological crime-ridden kind of urban city like which is an incredibly loaded (laughs) metaphor Mm -hmm. and trope (laughs) in the media um but uh i think the ben affleck one probably would have been a more conventional you know, um, old hero has to put the boots back on to the take out his, what yeah. the dark Frank Miller's the dark Knight. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or a Batman also, Beyond like, movie with that's what I that's what I really would, yeah. yeah. Well, you might be getting that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I also loved in this movie when like Robert Pattinson was just walking around getting blasted in the chest with shotguns, and he was just like yeah. taking it. You know, he's like, I got my, I'm wearing armor, bro. <laughs> like, he must be carrying around 130 pounds of like metal just like on his chest at all times in this movie. That, um, that's why he's a skinnier Batman. He's losing like 10 pounds a night carrying all this stuff. Yeah, no, constantly. I agree. I mean, not not just gun to the chest, but jumping off a building, having a bomb blow up right in his face, right in his face, right in his face. And also, can I say about when he really gets super duper shot in the chest? um, That just seemed like a really odd moment to me for someone to kiss him. Like I would be glad, you know, if, if, if Robert Pattinson saved my life, but if he had just been shot and like was clearly passing out and I maybe would not kiss him right then. Yeah, just saying. But you know that's me. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's different. What well, um? What about the venom? That was venom, right? You know, it was an antihistamine. <laughs> <laughs> Claren, peanut allergy. Claren. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who knows, man? There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in here that I was like, again, I left the movie being like. I'm glad I saw it. That was cool. Like it, it was cool seeing Batman again. Again, I, I I appreciate a lot of the casting choices, the performances, the style of it. I was into, but I also left kind of to your point too, where I was just like, there are parts of that that I I I, I need. I needed more reason. I needed more justification. I needed something to breathe new life into this. You know, like. Um, that is one of the things that I think the Nolan movies did have going for it. You know, it, it, it partly because the Schumacher ones are so absurd that when Nolan came in and did his thing, it was different. Uh, like it was so different that I think people were into it here. The Batman, it's not that it's a, feels like a continuation of the Nolan stuff, but it's not that different. You know, if anything, it's a little bit dirtier, 
but it, it, it definitely does feel like a rehash of Batman Begins in a lot of ways, including all of the mob stuff. Like that is Batman Begins to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there was anything wrong with it. I found it entertaining. But again, is that new and fresh? I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I think it would work better maybe either as someone's totally first movie or as someone's they've read the comics and seen all the movies movie. Yeah. Because I think that those would be, I feel like those would be the two most appreciative audiences and stuff in between. It might feel too samey with other stuff. Or certainly mm-hmm. if you've seen the long Halloween or hush animated. Well, yeah, the long Halloween stuff. And oh man, the narration. I was like, but that was the thing. Like there were moments of it where I was like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm. he was like Thursday, October 31st. You mean Rorschach? Long Halloween. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like this is my least favorite holiday. Everyone comes out in their masks. I was like, "This is cool. Like, give me more of this." And then they kind of, kind of fell away. And I was like, "Ah, oh, okay." You know, like again, it, I don't know. Yeah. But you both liked it overall, though. Right? Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say what was a movie that I hated that we saw, like. Like remember, like remember when we uh, almost uh, remember when our show almost got canceled after Batman Superman uh, Batman versus Superman <laughs> the Dawn of Justice. Justice. Remember that happened and how like we that like I like that movie was just like gross, you know, and Justice League too. Like, and obviously we've discussed the reasons for those. I did not leave the Batman being mad, you know. Um, also, in the same, I did not leave the Batman in that same kind of like dismal despair that i left the joker as mm-hmm. too which i think a lot of people who see the advertising for the batman and hear the discourse around the batman are like oh is it just more of like todd phillips the joker and i don't think it is you know i think the joker had this ent- like incredibly cynical kind of element to it that i actually don't think this movie has if anything by the movie's end robert pattinson kind of learns that that cynicism is not the way to be Batman. And I, and I, and I kind of appreciated some of the moves towards the end away from that. I did not leave this movie angry that I saw it or thinking that it was bad. Um, in the same way that, you know, some of these like Dr. Strange, like I hate that movie. Like it's just, I, it just makes me mad. Dr. Strange. I, I, I refuse to watch it. Um, I don't think that's the case with this one. And I actually look forward to watching this again when it's on HBO max th- six months from now. And I can pause it when I think the episode breaks are supposed to be, you know? Yeah, I, I, I liked the way it looked. I liked a number of things that it did, but I sort of was left and I liked the way it ended um, the, and the way I felt, you know, when it ended. Um, but overall, I just felt like it was a lot of same old stuff. It really felt like the same kind of demographic of people Mm-hmm. did all the creative stuff. And I looked it up and that's true, right? Director, writers, producers, cinematographer, art direction, like it's all kind of coming from a particular demographic that happens to be a small minority of not just the United States, but an even small minority of the world. And I think at some point, maybe if you opened things up a bit, you could get different kinds of stories with different kinds of perspectives. So you wouldn't be sort of... Um, you could just get something a little different within the Batman mythos. You could get something a little different. You know, if you're going to do the Batman, 
everyone wants to go back and do the beginning. Everyone wants to go back and do the the brooding Batman because that's what these, you know, this this group of directors and writers who tend to be making these Batman movies are all about, you know, like, Oh man, remember when we were brooding Gen Xers? Like, dude, like, that's what I want to be, you know, listening to my grunge music and listen, wear my flannels. <laughs> that's what they want to do. And that's the kind of movies that they want to, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but to Carolyn's point, like you keep hiring those people to tell these stories and you're going to keep getting this version of Batman. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with this version of Batman, but it's just the same, you know, where are the bat girls? There's this awesome book going on right now with three wonderful characters and it's amazing. And people, we haven't seen any of those characters in the films in 20 years. Why? Right? Because Chris Nolan and Matt Reeves aren't interested in those characters. Why do we keep getting, why do we keep getting a Catwoman in leather, you know, uh, cat suits, you know, and not the Catwoman of the the comics that have, have kind of found her autonomy and 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 um, not become kind of a, a, a doll and 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 kind of um, uh, weapon for for Bruce to use in in certain uh, 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 conflicts because the directors aren't interested in that iteration of the character, right? Why do we keep getting these? Joker, Riddler, Joker, Riddler, Scarecrow, Joker, Riddler, Bane, Power Fantasy. Why do we keep getting those villains? Because those that again, that's the, that represents something that these creators connect with and want to tell that story. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Why is Talia so underwritten in The Dark Knight Rises? I'll give you one guess. You know, like that's that's really what it comes down to. And until you kind of change up who's telling these stories, you're not going to get a genuinely fresh take on the character. Sorry, sorry to bogart that one for a second. <laughs> no, no, that's why we're here. Uh, do we want to move on? Well, I have two questions about your book, Steve. <laughs> I know this is still your oh. lightning round. Steve. <laughs> it's still Steve's lightning round. An hour and twenty minutes later. <laughs> um, Bob, yeah, please go ahead. Um, you did mention Bolero. What is the? Well, first, I'd like to ask what is bisexual lighting, because you did mention that. <laughs> Oh, um, bisexual, <laughs> bisexual lighting, to my knowledge, anyway, is just it's a color scheme. It's the uh, blue, like blues, purples. Um, think of the scene. Did you see Blade Runner 2049? No. no. Oh, really? OK. Um, well, then that totally blows my comparison. <laughs> uh, Joey, do you want to do you want to field this? Well, I said, did you see Loki? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Loki. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah. No, the Loki color schemes, like the lighting in that. I think. Oh, I mean, in certain scenes, sure. But if you could be more specific, that would probably help. The scene on the the scene on the planets when they're running around and. All right. After the train okay. ride, yeah, and it's kind of like blues, it's, purples, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a it's a very like soft, uh, pleasing aesthetic, at least for me anyway. Like we have a setting on our. Uh, galaxy light in the bedroom. It casts like stars and constellations and swirls around stuff. Like there's a setting for that sort of thing that you can make the whole room look like that. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. No, the book sounds very interesting, but I never heard that term before, but I'm very interested in in checking it out. And actually the other one on little monsters, I have to bring Carolyn on this. Does that sound awfully like the original star Trek episode, Miri? Uh-huh. That's a good point. It does. Well, I would also point out 
<laughs> I would point out those colors are the bi pride flag. If there was. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Mm. Thank you, Carolyn. Happy to help. Um, yeah, Bolero is excellent. It is very, 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 at least the first issue was very strange. Uh, the second issue is really cool in that you get to see how the doors work. Uh, you get to visit a lot of worlds in that issue. It doesn't necessarily do the best job of delineating whether you're back in the old life or the new one. But I mean, I figured it out pretty quickly uh, where we were in the story, but it's neat. Like Devin woke up and she was in a, she was in a male body. She woke up again and she was kind of in a Bridgerton times kind of scenario. And within a page or so, she's like, I can't live like this. Like you all talk like idiots. I'm out of here. I don't care how ideal this is. This is, I can't roll this way. And um, it's neat. It's neat bouncing back between the two. And I just, you all know how much I love those books that ask really big questions. And this is one of those types of stories. And uh, I think it's really a lot of fun. Why am I getting so many messages right now? Um, let me kill this. Yes. Um, thank you for asking. I highly, I highly recommend it. I think it's a limited, I think it's maybe five or six, but, uh, like I said, I was like iffy on it after the first one and then reading them back to back and seeing more of the setup. I was like, Oh, I am, I'm in all the way on this. It, 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 uh, it's it, lots of elements of a ahead. lot of things you, you're getting. There's a, it's a quantum leap sort of thing. George R. R. Martin wrote a, a pilot, never got things. I think it was called doors where it, there were these passageways to other places, but it was just the same people going to the same place. You're not through that whole sort of, I can live my life as someone else at the same time as still being myself, which is very interesting. What choices right. do you make? So you get um, Devin, when she gets to like kind of the doorways, the multi, the, the, the nexus of the multiverse, she's handed a flyer and uh, you can actually read the flyer. It's one of the, the full spreads in the comic says, you know, tired of feeling trapped, mm-hmm. want a do-over, realizing you shouldn't have spoken that to that one X, take a trip to an alternate universe. And then it explains how the key, uh, talk to, um, she calls him Cat Grass, but it's, it's Cat Graw. Uh, in the book, uh, a key, uh, Cat Graw, the key maker will, uh, the, your key will be fashioned from your own biological sample. This is your key. Any door can be an anti-door uh, with your key. You may travel to 53 doors. You may stay in these doors as long as you wish. These universes will be chosen at random by the mother. The next step, do not ask to speak to the mother. Uh, 53 hops means you have 53 shells. A shell is the alternate version of yourself you will uh, you will possess. Uh, it will be your job to figure out uh, the status quo of you in these reincarnations, blah, 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 blah. Uh, never take someone else's key. Seriously, don't do it. And never hop more than 53 times. So my, I'm wondering, when are we going to get to the part of the story where either someone else's key oh, is taken or doing it? Right. <laughs> or she runs, she runs out of hops. Like, what do you do if you've given up your old life? And even after siphoning through 53 other versions of it, you're still not happy. And you rolled a really bad final life. What, like, what do you do? So does, does stealing someone else's key mean that you get another jump? Like, it's just, 
I, I don't know how well it's going to capitalize on some of these questions. I just, I'm looking forward to finding out whether it does yeah. or not. Uh, yeah, looking- it's, it's absolutely gorgeous and it's very, it's unique from the other things that I'm reading right now. Cool. Thank you much. Yep. Yeah, no, thank you. All right. Let's, uh, let's get through these news stories really quick. What do we got here? A couple of, a uh, couple of announcements. There's the, here we go. Okay. So Sean Levy. The guy who did uh, Free Guy and most recently on Netflix, a movie called The Atom Project, which is getting great reviews, uh, all of them with Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is teaming up with Sean Levy, who also did, I think, Stranger Things? Yeah. Or maybe maybe aspects of it. Um, is doing Deadpool 3, is cool. what I'm trying to say, uh, for Marvel. So they're, they're bringing Deadpool back into the MCU proper. And they're going to do uh, that movie with Sean Levy, which is cool. Like they have a really great working relationship and both of the free guy was a, a, a big surprise for me. Like I, I wanted to see that movie. I like Ryan Reynolds. I wanted to see that movie based on the premise, but I didn't really have much hope for it. And then it came out and it was kind of one of the bigger movie surprises of the year mm. in that not only was it entertaining, but it was legitimately pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Adam Project a, is uh, Adam Project. I watched it a couple days ago. Adam Project uh, is, is fun. Yeah, it's nice. a ton of fun. It's a time machine. It's a time machine. It's a time travel story. Um, it's got Ruffalo in it and Jen Garner. Yeah. So, good time. So, is it a sequel? Yeah, yeah definitely. Going on thirty. Uh, it's not that different okay. actually from that. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah please don't because I'm, I'm probably going to watch it yeah. this uh, this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, so that's some Deadpool 3 news. It's been a while since we've gotten anything on that. Uh, staying on the movie front, the uh, all of all of DC's slate, mm-hmm. like their whole their whole thing has been reworked. Uh, they're saying it's due to uh, COVID related matters, but they're moving pretty much everything. I think the only movies that we're getting this year are um, Black Adam or was Black Adam pushed? No, it's Black in Adam October. was pushed to October. Okay, so all right, so we're getting Black Adam and we're getting DC League of Super Pets. That's what it is. Uh, DC League of Super Pets is now July 29th. Uh, Black Adam is October 21st. But I mean, they're moving Aquaman. They're moving Shazam. And then Shazam will follow in December. So you get Black Adam, then you get Shazam. Right. Flash is the uh, one I'm waiting for. When when's that coming out? They're moving that. They're the that one's gonna be a while. Uh, I'm trying to look it up. This variety article sucks. I don't even know if they have Flash listed here. They've got Meg to the trench, which is kind of funny that they tagged uh the trench on here when that trench movie from DC was supposed to come out. <laughs> uh and then this Wonka movie with uh Timini Chalabé gonna be uh Willy Wonka and the new Wonka movie. That's not until December 2023, though, Fly- so we got a while for that. Yeah. Flash is next June. Whoa. They're yeah. going to release it yeah, June one- 23rd of <gasps> 2023, <gasps> which is the same day as Batman in 1989 <gasps> and-, and the birth of Joey yes. Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> ah, whoa. Okay. Okay. And with Michael Keaton being in the Flash. I am inextricably linked to Michael Keaton. That's what I'm, wow. that's what I'm hearing. Six degrees of Joey Petrino. Yeah. Petrino. <laughs> Chino. Jesus. Next. 
uh, next. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much there is to say. It's just, it's just movie shuffling. Look, until Morbius comes out on April Fool's Day, <laughs> I don't believe anything about any of these movies. Okay, I have to, I have to cover for my boss tomorrow morning because he's going to see it. And I'm like, you're such a liar. You just want to sleep in, dude. I can't. Was it? Oh no, a friend of mine. I was at this, I was at uh, this birthday party on Saturday, and a friend of mine was like, "Hey, Joey, come here." And I was like, "What is happening?" And he goes, "I got a question for you." Morbius, <laughs> is he here to help or is he here? And I was like, "I hate you. Don't talk to me ever again." Like, I, I like, I, I genuinely want to punch you in the teeth. <laughs> Amazing. Um. Staying on the DC front, they're doing a Harley Quinn animated series spinoff uh, focusing on Kite Man. <laughs> this is going to follow <laughs> the events of Harley Quinn, and he is going, it's going to be called Noonan's. So apparently, he is going to be, it's uh, a bar named after uh, some hitman named Sean Noonan. And Kite Man is going to be in a, like a cheers like setting for supervillains. Where he owns a bar, they all come in where everybody knows your name, and yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, they cribbed this from. Uh, do you, did anybody, does anybody watch the How It Should Have Ended YouTube videos? Yes, mm-hmm. they actually say that in here. Yeah, the yeah, villain pub, the villain pub, which is I love those. Oh, that sounds fun. I love that this animated show is getting a spinoff. That's that's incredible. It's got a it's got a comic and a spinoff series. That's wonderful. Yep. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're 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 running with it. I mean. If this is the same, not even if it's the same team, but like if it's spinning out of that other series, that other series is outstanding. So if this has the same kind of tone and sensibilities or lack of sensibilities, if you will, uh, I think that this could be really, really awesome. I liked uh, I, I liked the Harley Quinn stuff a whole lot. So uh, anybody want to jump in on that one before we move on to the next story? No, I'm 200 percent in for that. Bring, bring the Noonans. <laughs> nice. Um, well, let's see. Ooh, we got a Gail Simone story. Hey-oh. Huzzah. <laughs> Bob's already pre-ordered. Uh, Bob doesn't know what the book is. He's like, I'm in. <laughs> I don't. Oh, okay. Finally, it loaded. Uh, Gail Simone brings Jessica Jones into her own multiverse with the variants. So let's see here. A five-issue limited series by legendary creator Gail Simone and artist Phil Noto. Ooh. After taking on what seems to be a routine case, she will come face-to-face with several versions of herself, which will lead her to question everything she thought she knew about her life and her choices. Promising Jessica will risk it all in the new series, Simone said, and then, oh, first and foremost, let me get this out, when Tom Brevoort offered me this project, I went and reread all the Jessica stories from the classic groundbreaking Brian Michael Bendis stories to the more recent and fantastically good Kelly Thompson stories uh, that you should definitely read. Yes, you definitely should. Uh, and then she goes on to say how amazing and compelling they are, but we're getting a Jessica Jones, uh, friggin' Gail Simone, Phil Noto series in June. So hooray for all of this, because it sounds amazing. Wonder how many variant covers there's going to be. Ayo. How many multiverses <laughs> are there? Ding. One from each multiverse. The Scotty Young multiverse. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> uh, fun. That's cool though. 
I have I can't even I don't know where Gail Simone's been on my on my list of stuff to read. So I'm excited about that. All right. What else do we got here? Uh, so they dropped a I guess this is I think this is an HBO Max joint, but uh, they dropped a trailer for Ava DuVernay's DMZ starring Rosario Dawson. I am a well-established Rosario Dawson as an actress fan. And I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those trailers that you go like, I don't know anything about DMZ. And I'm like, all right, turn me on. Let's go. Sell me. And nothing. (laughs) John, it sounds like you're a little bit more familiar with this. I read I read the original Vertigo series. Um, It it was, you know, America is another civil war and New York basically becomes the demilitarized zone that you people can go into. This doesn't look anything like the show, which is good because, as I was saying off air, the show or the book was created by Brian Wood, who is not have some. Let's just sounds like he was kind of a terrible human being to some people. Um, but it, I, I think they're just using the name and the concept and going their own direction with it. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised that. Um... So I am a huge DuVernay fan. She's directing that a few of the episodes. I think the showrunner is not Ava DuVernay. I think it's somebody else. Um, but but I know that she's directing the first couple of us, so I'm totally on board for this. I also didn't even know that it was like ready to go. Like I, I know that they had announced several years ago that they were doing the adaptation and that DuVernay would be directing some episodes and it would be on HBO. And then all of a sudden, like they dropped the trailer last week, and I was like, "Okay, cool. When can I expect this?" And it was like literally next week. It's coming to air, and I was like, "What the hell? What? What kind of timeline is this? <laughs> like, where you're just like, hey, here's a trailer for a show that drops next week. Good luck.' Um, but it looks cool. I'm into it. I, I think I think they're dropping like three or four episodes this uh, this Friday or whatever. Um, so I'm 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 I'll be there for that. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know how it is. Be cool if that if it turns out to be awesome. All right. Hey um, man, I also like Jupiter's Legacy, and they can that one. So <laughs> that was Netflix. That was Netflix. Yeah, 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 yeah. HBO usually lets them go a couple seasons. Hmm. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for the news. There were a couple of castings. They're they're casting that Gotham Knights show. There were some pretty interesting castings for that. Uh, but and I think maybe some more Craven movie castings not a real movie it's not a real movie until it happens until i see that trailer it's not real crossover with morbius <laughs> who exactly <laughs> all right uh what are we looking forward to next week bob what are you picking up with any luck at all because things always change should be catwoman 41 catwoman lonely city number three Chang Wonder Woman 785, which is part three of the Trial of the Amazons. We have, I think, the Trial of the Watcher. Everyone's on trial now, it looks like. And I do believe there's a once-in-future trade paperback this week. So I can, yeah. I can catch up. Hmm. All right. Uh, Joey, what are you getting? Um, I am getting Batman Superman World's Finest number one. That's it? Yeah. I went through all the lists and I was like, I got nothing. 
So yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's just a it's just a it's a, a light week for me. I know that the last issue of one of those Wolverine series is going, but I, I think I'm Marvel Unlimiting that now at this point. Um I actually picked up this huge graphic novel. I can't even remember the title from my local bookstore. And uh, the, the 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 dude at the desk was like, I said, I said, you know, I this book looks cool. I'm going to read it. I'm excited. Y'all have never steered me wrong with your graphic novel recommendations. And he was like, that means so much. I usually pick them. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so nice. So I'll, I'll be, I, I'm going to read a couple of the books that they, they put out and I'll, I'll have those ready for next week. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, John, are you picking anything up? Yeah, I'm getting Mark Wade and Dan Mora's Batman Superman World's Finest. All right. I guess I buried the lead. Okay, whatever. Uh, then I think I, I haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm still picking up Batman the Night Number th- Three, Catwoman number forty-one, Nightwing ninety, um, another issue of Detective Comics comes out, and then tomorrow I will find out if I was one of the seven thousand to get a copy of JLA Avengers. Oh, good, in the good luck to you. Reprint. Oh, you're getting it for the right reasons, not for the people who already yes. have it on eBay for four hundred dollars. I those people need if they're giving the money to the Heroes Initiative, it's okay. Yeah. But if they're just putting it on eBay, <laughs> screw you, people. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Carolyn, are you getting anything? Uh, I am liking Nightwing. Um, but probably, yes. pro- I'm, I'm just, I'm so pressed this week grading exams. But I think I, after that, I will take John's advice and check out some Babylon 5 movies. There you go. There you go. Very cool. Uh, for me, I'm getting Batman the Night number three, Catwoman Lonely City three, Catwoman, Detective Comics, Nightwing, and Robins five. I'm also going to pick up Rain number three, the Silver Coin number 10. And there's a new uh, image series coming out called Slumber. Uh, I have no idea what it's about, but the cover looks really cool. So mm-hmm. that uh, never steered me wrong before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I... Um, I've made it. I, I'm making. I'm making it a vow to really start to cull my list a little bit and maybe trade weight on some things and only pick up the things that I'm either desperate to read or new things that I want to take a chance on. Uh, not all of them are going to be winners, but Slumber Number One looks pretty cool. Uh, I'll report back next week and let you know how it went down. And that's it. Those are the books short list. Um, for closing statements, I just want to put this out there because I'm very happy for her. Um, I plug my videos on here every now and again. Um, later this week, I will have, uh, well, Thursday of this week, and I'll spoil it here. Uh, my next Animation Movies Revisited video is going to be going up, uh, the series that I do with Jasmine Evan Samuels. It is for Hayomi Ozaki's My Neighbor Totoro. So if you are a fan of that movie, you are definitely going to want to check this video out. Uh, We worked really hard on it. We're very proud of it. And we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, And I can't wait for you to see the next one because it's probably my favorite one that we've done so far. Um, Beyond that, Bronwyn has actually joined the Joe Blow uh, narration family. And her first video for the uh, What Happened to This Unmade Movie series that she's narrating now is her Darren Aronofsky's Batman year one that never came out. 
Hmm. Uh, so she is not the writer of the series, but she does do the narration. Uh, and she's going to be narrating that series from here on out. But her first video went live today, uh, which is Monday. It's already got like 12,000, 13,000. I, f- I forget what it was, but just a ton and ton, a ton of uh, views and people seem to really be digging it. So if you want to go and check that out, uh, that is on YouTube. And uh, we'd appreciate it. Leave a comment, show some love, share it. That helps us make more of these and get paid. So that would be nice. <sighs> Anybody have any closing statements that they want to give before we get out of here? No? No. Nope. All right. Uh, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. Always happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Some of you have been emailing us a lot lately, and we appreciate it. We read all of those. Uh, we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Do us a favor. Send us a question or something on Twitter or through our email. We haven't done a question podcast in a long time, and uh, I think I'm going to maybe put the call out for some of those and uh, those will be fun. We haven't said I haven't done that in a while. Um, like I said, we're working on talkingcomicbooks.com, working on getting that up and operational. Hopefully, the meeting from last week had to be rescheduled. will happen this week. Uh, I'll be sure to let everybody know once we've nailed some stuff down for that. And I think that's all the housekeeping for now. So, Bob, where can our listeners find Old you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey. At Joey Bertrino. John at John P. Burkle. Carolyn. Email coca c at oldwestbury.edu. There you go. Uh, and I am at dead underscore anchorus on the internet. So for Bob. Bulbous. <laughs> bulbous bouffant. Um, for Joey. Bye. For John. Babylon 5. It's a weeper. <laughs> It's it's a weeper. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week on the Talking Comics podcast. Until then, to be continued. Continued.